2: Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness.
3: It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to PrettyLitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. In a 24-hour hacking operation, we have uncovered the secret location now commanded by the Games Master. An undercover agent armed with a hidden camera has just returned these extraordinary pictures. In what looks like the structure of a disused prison, the Games Master has instigated a Top Gun Academy designated only for the major league game players. Young Gun, Dexter Fletcher is the new host, and celebrities are pouring in to fit their wits in Mortal Kombat, the hottest new game this year. Due to the severe danger faced by our agent in obtaining this material, we cannot risk showing any more. Games Master 3, the new series on Channel 4. We just can't wait. 好好好
0: and welcome to the Games Master Academy. This is Under Consultation, an episode-by-episode podcast guide through the UK's greatest video game challenge TV show, Games Master. I am one of your hosts, Luke Owen, the Mega Drive version with all the death moves left in. And I am thumb-numbing and I am joystick-thrashing. I am Ash Versus. This episode of Season... 3 We finally made it to series 3 Aired on the 9th of September 1993 Culture beats Mr. Vane is top of the charts And the movie topping the box office Is This Boy's Life He violated school property And he wrote obscene words on the wall
5: She thought he needed a father
4: This isn't working And on top of it all, you've gone wild I can't handle it anymore And it scares me <laughs>
5: He thought she needed a husband
4: you got
1: crappy taste in boyfriends
3: which is just about the time they met dwight here i am you lucky people
5: do what
3: people can call me anything
1: they want as long as they don't call me late for supper
5: (laughs) (laughs) what a
4: dope i talked to dwight the other day and he wants you to live with him for a few months
6: so what are you gonna do just give me away to him well if you two get along and if things work out i um he and i might get married
1: you're in for a change, mister. You're in for a whole nother ball game. Think of it like an adventure. We're going to make a man of you yet? Jackie! Jackie!
4: I hate it here, you know that?
1: You left the lid off the damn toothpaste again.
4: It's not fair!
1: This is my house and I get to say about the toothpaste.
7: But more importantly, Luke, it's September the 9th. Mm-hmm. How was your summer holidays? You yeah, know, it was pretty good.
0: Uh, got to go to the arcades a lot because Ooh. my my local arcade had Street Fighter and not only that, my Mega Bowl also had Sega Sonic the Hedgehog, which is a very rare occurrence in the UK. But mine had it because mine was a, it was a Mega Bowl that was, it was one of those Sega arcades that were in bowling alleys.
7: Yeah, because we're also approaching the time when Sega World is about to open in Bournemouth. They'd acquired yeah. some couple of thousand square foot and they were getting ready to make a serious dent in the UK arcade economy. And this is, I think, before they went to the Trocadero. Yeah, Badnik Mechanics got a really good video about that on
0: YouTube, about like the history of the Sonic uh, and the Trocadero, or so of Sega and the Trocadero. I can't remember if it's got Bournemouth, or like whether it Bournemouth came first or the Trocadero came first.
7: So just did a quick bit of fact-checking, which you won't spot because seamless fucking editing on this podcast. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Sega World Bournemouth was the first dedicated Sega-branded arcade to open in Europe, and you know what, Luke? It opened on my birthday.
0: Oh, very, very nice indeed. Didn't go there.
7: <laughs> How was your summer holiday, Ash? You've got me thinking now, and I'll be honest. 1993, I was probably working at least one or two days a week at this point. Or <laughs> looking after a younger sibling. Well, I probably did the normal things kids do when they live in the middle of nowhere and have nothing to do. <laughs> I ran around the garden screaming and I probably played a lot of computer games.
0: Do we have any information on This Boy's Life? It's not a film I'm particularly... Re- like, I don't remember it much. I don't remember it at all, in fact.
7: Well, This Boy's Life is actually an American biographical coming-of-age drama based on the memoir of the same name by author Tobias Wolf. And you know how I know that, Luke? Wikipedia? Wikipedia. <laughs> (laughs) (laughs) It's a very fine tool. And honestly, I think it was critically fairly well received. It certainly did reasonably at the box office. It sounds like an okay film. It's not my kind of film.
0: Yeah, it's not really my cup of tea. I do have more to say on uh, Mr. Vane by Culture Beat, but we'll save that for next week because it's still number one next week. And we've got so much to dive into because I know we want to cover the things that we had during the summer break between series 2 and series 3 of Games Master Ash but released in this week of September 1993
7: Teenage Mutant Hero Turtles Tournament Fighters was released a game I wish we had a modern interpretation of let's just get one which spans the entire turtle verse so we've got the original black and white we've got the 80s cartoon versions and we've just got them all mixed in with different skins we know it can be done because because they're in the DC Universe game from NetherRealm um, Injustice 2 and they're great in it. They play really well and they look fantastic. Also, their appearance in that is very heavily influenced by the Jim Henson look, which I'm quite approving of. No eyes in the back of the mouth, though, thankfully. It is so infuriating because I thought we were going to get that
0: game Uh, a number of years ago now. It was released on the Wii. It was a Turtles clone of Smash Brothers and I thought, this is it. This is the Turtles fight in game that i've been wanting for smash brothers style you can have a whole roster of characters in there spanning as you say spanning from all the various different regions of the Turtleverse. and in the end it was just the 2003 tmnt movie and its biggest like hey check out the bit of fan service we're putting in fugitoids in there and that's it
7: yay <laughs> yay it's such a rich history and we know the current license holders are not afraid to mine that rich history because by golly there's some decent retro turtle merch out there at the moment yes there is so yeah
0: turtles tournament fighters funnish game it's it's, you know it was it's only fun at the time i don't think it holds up particularly well but like at the time a one-on-one turtles fighter was pretty really pretty special
7: who knows maybe we're approaching a big year for turtles in a couple of years time maybe it's the oh man it's going to be the 40th of ninja turtles in a couple of years yeah we're, yeah we're not far off maybe for that we'll get a big old brawl fest or something fun or anything literally table <laughs> scraps we'll take table scraps at this point now i'll tell you what we'll get we'll get a fucking transformers tie-in because that's the thing they're doing at
0: the moment we had a back to the future one, we had a ghostbusters one it'll just be the turtles next yeah and it'll be cheap plastic tat and yes i will buy it and um, say a couple of <laughs> couple of tracks that we missed out on as well from the number one period uh, in between series two and series three bluebells young at heart which you can hear us talk about on the patreon episode we did for crystal maze uh, george and queen uh, with lisa stansfield the five live ep ace of base all that she wants gabrielle dreams who's in the next episode of games master take that debut song pray which we talked about earlier in series two and freddie mercury's living on my own some pretty big hitters in
7: all of that and also ub40s cover of can't help falling in love with you Guess right, yeah. Which I hate with a passion. <laughs> but what I don't hate with a passion is Ace of Bass, All oh, That She Wants. Such a good song. Just just that intro, as soon as you hear those first couple of notes, you know what it is. It's got such a great bass line and just rhythm to it. And oh man, during the summer holidays, or rather <laughs> in the gap between us last recording an episode on the series and recording this, I've actually picked up enough now compilations on tape to take us all the way through until the end of series three very very nice i found a couple of batches of them on ebay and i thought you know what i'm having that because it means that as we go into each era of music for this season of Games Master, I can just put on the corresponding Now album and mm-hmm. bask in the warm analog glow. My uh, my lasting memory
0: of Ace of Bass is when, uh, you know, as we all did, we all went through that period where we learned about all your bass are belong to us. And the the background on my laptop during my university years was the uh, an Ace of Bass album cover, and it was all your Ace of Bass are belong to us.
7: Someone must have done a mashup by now because there were all your bass mixes oh yeah out the wazoo there was a bohemian rhapsody one that is that is actually a work of art i've not heard that but i'm sure if i search on the youtubes it'll still be out there somewhere (laughs) i hope so
6: it's you, it's you, it's you, it's you, it's you, How are you, gentlemen? All your base are belong to us. You are on the way to destruction. What you say? All your base. What you say? All your base, your base are belong to
0: us.
3: What you say? Wicked signal. What you say? You are on the way to destruction. You have no chance to
6: survive, make.
0: We also missed a couple of massive, massive films. It's disappointing that we're starting with This Boy's Life, because listen to some of these films that we missed. Groundhog Day, Duh! Cliffhanger, The Mighty Ducks, Ah, oh, Esteves, Jurassic Park, and of course, the big one,
7: Teenage Mutant Hero Turtle 3. But we also missed some good movies, <laughs> including Falling Down mm-hmm. and not so good, but a good kid film, The Three Ninjas. Yeah, Three Ninjas. Yeah, we also missed Loaded Weapon 1, which we also talk about in that Patreon uh,
0: podcast, talking about the Crystal Maze. But I mean, I suppose the film that we should really talk about here, because I feel like it's going to be sort of dominating a lot of like pop culture chat, is Jurassic Park. You know, it's it's
7: the biggest movie of 1993. Now, you asked what I was doing in my summer holidays. I know what I was doing for my birthday. I was going to see Jurassic Park at the Multiplex in Gloucester. Oh, yes. And my mum went with us. It was me and a couple of kids from school I'd call them friends but I'm not sure I'd consider that in hindsight but it was a couple of kids from school and we went to see Jurassic Park and my mum came with us my mother does not like scary movies (laughs) but my main memory of the film was one getting popcorn getting fresh bucket of popcorn which it was the first time I'd been to this cinema and the cinema like in town where I grew up you got bags of sun-kissed You did not get fresh popcorn. Not on your Nelly. You got (laughs) Sunkist and Poppets and you were going to like it. Yeah, yeah. They even sold squash in a plastic cup. That was the level of low (laughs) rent of my local cinema. So this was quite the experience for me. And for some reason, I didn't sit next to my mother. Another of the kids did. And as scared as my mum was of this film, this kid was more scared because we left the cinema afterwards and everyone was laughing and joking and, and all that stuff. And he was looking rather quiet. And after we'd all gone, we'd had food, and it was just me and my mum we on our way home, she told me that basically from the first moment where the worker gets got by the raptors, the whole, shoot! Ah! Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was gripping onto her <laughs> arm to the point where he left finger marks behind. <laughs> and he was terrified for the entire movie. Oh, bless. And the thing is, that kid, as he grew up, turned out to be a right obnoxious little shit. And he even bullied me later in school life. And I always held it in my head. Amazingly, I never used it against him. I didn't stoop to his level, but I did use it as an internal self-defense. But also Jurassic Park. Was an amazing film and still a film that I love to watch. Now it's one of my standard Spielberg films to test out a home cinema setup. Yes, this absolutely. Jaws, Close Encounters, because yeah. all three are beautifully presented in high definition and have amazingly good sound mixes.
0: I uh, also went to go see Jurassic Park during this summer holiday break. We had to go out of town to go and see it because the two cinemas in that were local to me in fact the three cinemas that were local to me had all sold out on tickets we had to go to the i think the odin in bracknell to go and see the movie and i remember my dad was concerned about taking me it is a pg you know, and there's a Spielberg movie, he does make The Family Affair, but my dad was a Michael Crichton fan, and he'd read the book, and was a bit concerned about sort of the level of gore that's in the Crichton book, and what might end up being on screen. And bearing in mind, I'm I'm seven at this point as well, so I think my dad just had this bit of a a concern that I I might be a bit too young for it.
7: I mean, I was 12 and 13, I got the book for my birthday... My parents did not read Michael Crichton. My parents yeah. had no idea how far removed the book was from the <laughs> film or anything they might think because holy hell it's not quite as big a leap as Jaws to the movie, but it's a substantial leap. Oh yeah, the when Dennis Nedry like, you know, cuz
0: he's blinded by the dilophosaurus but can feel something warm landing in his hands and it's his intestines. That is there's some next level gore in that movie in that book rather
7: and dear lovable old uncle john hammond
0: (laughs) 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 oh yeah he does not make it back to the chopper no he does not get to say that line to sam neill was like no neither will i so my dad was a bit concerned about taking us and during that the raptor scene you mentioned earlier shoot her during that raptor scene i buried my head into my dad's arm because I was so scared, and my dad, my dad tells me this now every like, every now and again. He was like, "And that was when I realised I'd made a mistake." <laughs>
2: <laughs> but oh. he's like,
0: but after that scene i was absolutely fine like i because i remember watching the rest of the movie and absolutely loving the rest of the movie but the weekend after i went to go hang out with my friend adam my best friend adam and he went to see it the, the night previous and he was telling me about this opening scene about you know that he's like he just could not stop talking about it It was his favorite scene of the movie and he was like reenacting it he'd get inside his cupboard and sort of like put his hands around like the cupboard sides <laughs> and to like act as if he was being pulled in and i did not remember that scene whatsoever because i'd blocked it from my mind because i was that scared of it and i don't think i saw it until I got it on VHS, which would have been either... I don't think it would have been Christmas 93. I'd imagine it would have been Christmas 94 I think, by the time the, the VHS actually came out. That, that's when I finally saw that scene.
7: I certainly probably found that scene scary, but my brain did the same thing with Jaws. Jaws is scary because there are sharks in the water and water is everywhere. Toilets have water. Swimming pools have water. I don't have a tropical island. I don't have giant animal cages but Luke I got a kitchen. Yeah. So raptors in the kitchen that was the <laughs> yeah. scariest thing to me. My brother also got me a
0: poster of the T-Rex uh for my birthday. For this but the this year's birthday in fact December 1993 he got me a, a big massive poster and it is just of the T-Rex roaring. It's just like a you know the size of a giant poster of the T-Rex mouth agape roaring out tiny jurassic park logo and that stayed above my bed for years so so cool loved 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 i was obsessed with jurassic park it was the film that when my teacher once asked me what do you want to be when you grow up my answer was steven spielberg because I just it was the it was the film that made me fall in love with films and want to be a filmmaker
7: I reckon it was about the same for me certainly it was one of the first films this and Ninja Turtles and possibly Ninja Turtles only because maybe I've got a couple of years on you in that regard but it was the first kind of instance of I need to know how they made this
0: yeah yeah, I mean, I I, I, don't, I don't think you're wrong either because I didn't see Ninja Turtles at the cinema. I saw Ninja Turtles 2 at the cinema. I saw that at the ABC in Reading, but I did not see the first one. I was too young for that.
7: Because I remember with Ninja Turtles when they were doing the kind of Saturday morning TV stuff, they had some of their heads in and they were demonstrating the cables and the puppeting of them. And it blew my mind. And then we got to Jurassic Park and we were seeing the CGI, but also the Stan Winston work. Stan Winston, an absolute f***ing god mm-hmm. of creature creation design, but also f- fostering people Creativity and birthing an entire studio and an entire set of educating yourselves in the way of creations and animatronics and sculpting and all that stuff. So, as interested as I was in science fiction and Doctor Who, and also there was a certain how they made stuff with Doctor Who, because a lot of that stuff you could also make yourself with sticky back plastic. But then the Hollywood side, the big movies, this. And also, as I got a bit older and found the books, Ghostbusters, this was where I really started to get into what went into a film, rather than just watching a film as a standalone piece of creativity. It's a gift and a curse, as I'm sure you find as you watch a film, it's difficult to not try and work out how it's
0: done. Yes, absolutely, yeah. And we'll actually be able to dive a bit more into my Steven Spielberg obsession through the medium of Games Master, because Steven Spielberg got a game, and I know in an upcoming series, there is a feature on said game game and i'm pretty sure that's where i discovered the game so we'll cross that bridge when we get to it again but if you're thinking to yourself ah they'll start talking about series three in a minute we won't because this is a golden period of games listen to this lineup of games that were released in between series two ending and series three starting which bearing in mind is a handful of months mortal kombat 2 gets released in the arcade samurai showdown gets released in the arcade on the home consoles Maniac Mansion 2, Legend of Zelda Link's Awakening, Syndicate, Super Mario All-Stars, and Secret of Mana, and the Amiga CD32 is also released.
7: Not everyone's a winner. (laughs) I don't even know where to begin with that list, Luke. That's so many games. And we're not even at the end of the year. We've still got some big-ass games to come out. We've got Mortal Kombat, Mortal Mondays just around the corner. We've got Street Fighter 2 Turbo. Both of those games featured in this episode. And on the PC, still a burgeoning games platform. It's Doom, Luke. Oh yeah, Doom's coming this Christmas, man. What? A time to be alive. This is a
0: golden period of video games for me. This is this is my era of video games. I had forgotten how much this was my era. Yeah. So, here we are, Ash. It's Series 3. We have moved away from the games rig. We're now sponsored by McDonald's. We don't have a Dominic Diamond. We do have a Dexter Fletcher. We're in the Games
7: Master Academy. This is... A different show. Oh, yeah. To the point where this feels like a reboot. Mm-hmm. Because, and this is something we'll go into when we speak to Dominic at the tail end of season three, Gamesmaster got the sponsorship from McDonald's and Dominic was... I'm out yeah that's me putting it very shortly because to be honest I want to hear it from him in his own words later on (laughs) Dexter Fletcher who at that point was mostly known for Press Gang some small feature films and he had a few other things in the offing but still a few years away from Lock, Stock and Two Smoking Barrels boy Get your fingers out of my soup. Love that moment. Love that film. It's great. He was booked to be a guest. One can only assume towards the beginning of season three. And suddenly he's presenting Games Master. But in a difference to Dominic Diamond, Dexter Fletcher was introducing himself as Dexter Fletcher. But Dexter Fletcher was playing a character. He had a script. He had a brief and it was a type that he was working to. He was not a gamer. This was not his comfort zone. And unfortunately, it shows. And unfortunately, much like sharks, games fans can smell blood in the water. And this era is not looked on fondly, particularly by Gamesmaster fans. When we were putting out all of our tweets and stuff saying we're coming to the end
0: of Series 2, we're you know about to head into the Games Master Academy on our Discord as well, the feedback and the messages that we have got, actually, I mean, I'll be honest, it's not even been now. Since we started this back in January of this year, all the messages we have had have been like, oof, when you get to Series 3, oof, oh, when you get to Series 3, the Dexter Fletcher years, those are the rough ones. And so I've, I've kind of been, I've been always very excited to get to this, this point, because I've wanted to revisit the the Dexter Fletcher series with fresh eyes and kind of judge Dexter on his own merits, because it was interesting that during our chat we had with Rick Henderson, who was actually you know he's working on Games Master pretty much at this point now. He's kind of working on Games World and he's also starting to work on some Games Master stuff. He's in the credits. Yeah, he's in the credits now of this show. Yeah, and he told us that it was the hiring of Bob Mills for Games World, who was not a gamer and had no interest in video games whatsoever, but was a competent host, is what led Jane Hewland down the direction of hiring Dexter Fletcher for series three. And this is these are Rick Henderson's words. What she realized is that you don't need to have someone in front of camera who knows about video games. You just need a team around them that knows about video games. So Dexter Fletcher may not know diddly dick about Mortal Kombat, but it's okay. Tim Boone is there. And Tim Boone knows about Mortal Kombat. So Tim Boone can just guide him. And you've got the scriptwriters and everything that can just hand him all of the stuff. So he can just go out there and be a presenter. And while you can certainly
7: tell he is not a games fan, I do think he's a competent is enough presenter. I have an advantage or disadvantage depending on how you look at it. I grew up a Doctor Who fan. Mhm. I am used to having a show that suddenly changes the kind of the face of. So I'm used to suddenly going from a Tom Baker to a Peter Davison or from a Dominic Diamond to a Dexter Fletcher. And much as I really try not to judge a doctor by comparison to previous doctors, I'm going to go into this season not judging Dexter in comparison Dominic Diamond. It's unfair for a number of reasons. One, as we said, Dexter was drafted in at the last minute He's following a script. He's following a brief. He is being supported by a team. He is there to do a job. And as much as I've watched in preparation for this series, it's a job he does really, really well. Mm-hmm. He's much more light entertainment than Dominic. He's doing some of the standards that you get from a light entertainment host. The woo from the audience, the interaction, the high energy. This could mm-hmm. be a heavy metal funhouse that he's hosting. You know, it's that kind of bounce. <laughs> And some people will say that they didn't like this. That is entirely their opinion and they're entitled to it. But I don't think he did a bad job here particularly given the circumstance surrounding his hiring and the production of the show. And season three is a dramatic show for a lot of reasons, including losing a set. Yes, We're going to have a mid-season change because suddenly an inactive prison becomes an active prison. And even in 1993, the risk assessment just said, no, you can't have children in with the inmates. It's just not a done thing. (laughs) And behind the scenes, it was tumultuous as well. There were changes in crew. There were changes in directors. There were changes in producers. Dexter Fletcher is the George Lazenby of Games Master. Yeah, I think
0: that, that's fair. Because I think it's not just that it's Dexter taking over from Dominic Diamond and people not getting on with, with Dexter Fletcher. As you said, this feels like a different show because the format's changed as well. This isn't challenge one, you play Super Mario World and you get a golden joystick if you beat it. Then we have a service challenge. And then we have another challenge where you get a gold joystick if you beat it. This is now, it's tournament based you have a challenge at the start and that will set up the contestants for the challenge at the end. And only one person out of that will go away with the joystick and you've got the celebrity challenge in the middle. So the format's completely different. And when we get into the second half of this series, when that format also changes, when we get into the team tournament, I think that might be like, people have the memories of like what a Games Master format is. And this is not the format that many people liked. But I'll be honest, like, you know, based on the first few episodes that I've watched of this series and kind of, you know, watched ahead, I don't mind. I quite, I quite like it.
7: You can definitely see more relation between this and Games World. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. They've taken the first and the last challenges and given it a Games World flavor. Review Zone is still there. Features are still there. Celeb challenges still there. Consultation Zone is still there. And I'm aware they're not called Review Zone and Consultation Zone anymore. <laughs> In fact, the Consultation Zone may never have been called the Consultation Zone. <laughs> you know what luke i don't give a f- it's the consultation zone <laughs> and the review zone but they remain so what you get is a weird bastard amalgam of games master series one and two and games world it is it's a brundlefly. yeah yeah yeah, yeah. It's, it's half yeah, jeff goldblum half <laughs> what the hell yeah absolutely and i may have hated this as a kid but I'm an adult now and I'm looking at this with an objective eye and without giving away what my thoughts are on this episode in the conclusion, I'm looking forward to talking about this episode with you, Luke. Indeed, which we will get to in a second.
0: Don't worry, folks, <laughs> we will get to the fireworks factory in a minute. I am...
1: Um, <laughs> when are they going to get to the fireworks factory? <laughs>
0: I, uh, I'm looking to approach this series and hopefully get the same perspective out of it as Talking Simpsons had when they reached Principal and the Pauper. Because when they were getting towards that episode, that is the one that all the feedback they were getting is like, oh, that's it. That's the death knell of the Simpsons. That is when that is categorically the point when the Simpsons goes bad and it's a bad episode and you should feel bad about watching it and reviewing it. And at the end of it, you know, Bob and Henry watch that episode and they're like, it's a funny episode. There's a lot of really good jokes in this. It's a very, very solid episode. And also there's other great episodes that follow on from it. There's another good season that follows on from it. And then it starts to go bad and starts to go downhill when you get sort of like into season 11. And even season 11 is not terrible. Then it starts to drip off. But the narrative is that is the point that it goes bad. And that's categorically false. What I'm hoping for is that I'm going to approach this and get the same level of principle and the pauper that Bob and Henry got which is, it's not as bad as people think it is.
7: Honestly, that's what I'm hoping as well. There are people out there, like we literally got tweets today on the day of recording that were dissing this season. And you know what? I'm not going to go into this going, we should change your mind or you should. I'm not going to go into <laughs> yeah. this going, you should change your mind and we're going to make you change it. Because you know what? If you don't like the season, you don't like this season, that's fine. Nope. But I'm going into this as unbiased as possible and much like season one and season two there will be good episodes and there will be bad episodes very rarely does a series completely shake the bed yeah apart from lost (laughs) lost definitely did oh yeah absolutely the final season of dexter
0: absolutely shat the bed
7: but in general any show that is producing more than 10 episodes a season like when you get into the teens and the 20s there's going to be rough with the smooth to draw back to doctor who very briefly because i know you love doctor hulu
1: when are they gonna get to the fireworks
3: factory
7: (laughs) i know you're well into the whovian fandom (laughs) i have seen an episode of old or new who (laughs) uh i don't know
0: um 50 years who knows i can't even remember who the doctor was Uh, it wasn't it wasn't david Tennant. it wasn't the other fella the bow tie one matt Um, smith yes that's him it may have been your man from the thick of it i think it was one of his peter capaldi that's the fella yeah the best thing
7: is there's probably at least a dozen people listening to this that are screaming at you right now (laughs) whereas i'm (laughs) calm as a mountain stream but no there are a lot of people that will go this era of doctor who is terrible because it's got these bad episodes and all of this era was great and I dare anyone to look at Tom Baker's run on the show and go every single one of those stories was great because they were categorically not. <laughs> ups and downs, and we're going to hit them, and maybe in 20-odd episodes' time, we're both going to be sat here praying for this to end. We're going to be Brundle fly at the end of the fly. <laughs> Just moving that
1: shotgun yeah, yes. <laughs> <that. laughs>
7: Make it end. When will it end? Hello, and welcome to the all-new,
1: thumb-numbing, joystick freshing Games Master Sadly, this poor chap burned himself out on level two. But you'll be pleased to see that Auntie Mauritius survived intact. Oh dear, thank you. So now, we've moved up a level. The Games Masters Academy, level three. Where only the best players get to win. No more of this walk in, sit down, play some silly challenge and then go in with a joystick. No, now I'm in charge and so I've changed all the rules. What I've done is, I've put the whole lot together and made each show into one a mega challenge. Sound good? We ain't seen nothing
0: yet. Well, the man himself, Dexter Fletcher, opens the show holding Dominic Diamond's red jacket, telling us that he burnt, he burned out at level two. Thankfully, Auntie Mauritius still here, she's a vod. We've moved up a level, Ghost Master Academy. I'm in charge. I've changed the rules.
7: That was your Dexter Fletcher impression, was it? Get used to it, we've got 26 episodes of this. I said you've got 26 episodes to improve it. (laughs) We do see Auntie Marisha, she's pushing a cleaning cart now, so clearly she's not allowed in the kitchen anymore, probably very wise after the way season two went down. She (laughs) waves to the audience and gets f*** all reaction. They do not care. But, to immediately tangent off what's actually going on on screen because this is going to be a long episode because we're talking about a whole new iteration of Games Master. We've got a new opening which is actually very similar to Season 2. Games Master at this point loves its offshore companies. We've gone from being on an oil rig to an old sea fort. Yes, we are still at sea. Uh, it's crucial to mention that. And we've got a lighthouse on top of the sea fort as well. Yeah. Which I didn't realise until halfway through Episode 2 when they're linking between segments or Dexter's walking from the concourse to the cometary area and you hear that kind of noise that's the right. light rotating on top i see that that that's universe building that's going they're quiet so you can hear the mechanism of the light turning on top which is a really amazingly subtle touch because to most people, they're just like, oh, it's a weird noise. But I pieced it together and I thought, that's actually really clever. <laughs> so we're back out at sea. Apparently they're ferrying kids from buses on helicopters across. We also see some boats, which mm-hmm. I thought would have been a more economic way to get to a seafort, particularly as it's actually much easier to get onto a sea fort by boat than it is onto an oil rig, because they have concrete docks built in because they're basically big concrete tubes in the middle of the water and then we get inside and despite the academy structure being spherical we're in a long corridor because (laughs) this is a prison yes and my immediate thought is wow it's bright oh yeah compared to series two bloody hell compared to series one as well yeah right and holy hell it is loud yeah because we went from being a church with a minimal audience because they were filming in the school term time so noise was always an issue in getting a big enough reaction then we were in series two which was in an oil rig Mm -hmm. laser um And the issue there, it's much like an open air sporting event, is you're going to get a amount of noise, but you've got a big cavernous top or almost kind of not quite open air, but it goes up a long way. So all the noise just goes upwards. And And it was a big old space as well. And all those kids, the other side part of that, all the kids are on
0: one side. So you've got so much, you've got all that noise going up and then a lot of empty space over on this side.
7: Absolutely. But here we are in the Games Academy and, you know, you could throw a Mars bar from one side of this room to the other comfortably. So when this crowd goes bananas, you feel it. It's echoing, it's bouncing around, and it does wonders for the atmosphere. Yeah, it really, really does. And I think it helps as well. But you know we talked about this a
0: lot on the show. Games are just becoming more and more popular as this series progresses. Very popular at the start of 92, but we're at the tail end of 93 now. They are super duper popular now. We just talked about, you know, the great run of games that are out. So these kids here are seeing Mortal Kombat on the Mega Drive and they're seeing it on the SNES. They're just, they're so in for it.
7: We get our first taste of Dexter Fletcher and we've gone from a soft Scottish lilt to... My flawless accent. Your flawless. My flawless flawless impression of Dexter Fletcher. Guy Ritchie's got a piece for you in his next movie, put it that way. (laughs) And the only negative I've got at this point, and it's not his fault, is Dominic Diamond season one was very clearly kind of a caretaker or maybe even an organist. He was a custodian of the gaming cathedral. Mm -hmm. Season two, he's the red coat. He's the holiday camp leader. Dexter in season three. Now he's not the caretaker because the caretaker is the guy that doles out the joysticks and is terrifying. He looks like he walked out of Silent Hill. He's a beefy dude. Dexter is in a jumpsuit, which is Games Master branded. First time we've seen that kind of thing. And he's got gadgets. He almost looks like he's cosplaying from the real Ghostbusters. Yeah. And I'm guessing he's meant to be some kind of, no, he's not even a teacher, some kind of prefect. Maybe? Are they playing him up like that? It's not a big deal in the long term because nothing big is made of it. It's just how he looks. Mm -hmm. But the fan part of my brain wants to know what role (laughs) did he fill? Now, as we get a bit further in, we do have an interview with Dexter in the Games Master magazine.
0: Mm -hmm.
7: So maybe that will lend a little bit of information as to what's going on. But at the moment, I'm just going. I don't know, D and T teacher maybe woodwork. Yeah, I think it's
0: also worth mentioning as well. Like the the opening gamut of this episode is, or, you know, and this series really is Dexter Fletcher letting you know that the old games master is gone, and that includes. Dominic Diamond's red jacket. You could even see his glasses in there as well, basically saying like, this is the old, we're throwing it out, this lad couldn't get off level two, this is level three, this is the next level of Games Master. And Dominic, in his interview with the Retro Hour podcast, said that he was actually a bit upset by that. He hated that jacket, but he just felt like it was a bit dismissive
1: of him.
7: It was really bitter because Dominic didn't stay with the show because they went with the McDonald's money, which means he put his morals above cash. And so say he couldn't hack it beyond level two it's honestly probably my biggest negative note on this episode will be that moment because if you cut that out it'd have been fine it would have just been a different iteration of games master and that would have been it the fact that someone somewhere in the production team be it someone on high one of the writers one of the production staff anyone that had influence over the script writers because keep in mind dexter was working from a script felt the need to punch that low mm-hmm. that bugs me more than anything else certainly in the first two episodes same here but dexter's enthusiastic for the changes he's making he's saying it's all new and they're gonna kick it off big style because something we've certainly never had before it's a single game episode really is so let's head on over to Gamesmaster and
0: find
5: out what that game is Gamesmaster, welcome to my academy It feels like home already, and very cozy it is, too, since I acquired my pussy, Roger. I mean to start, as I intend to go on, with a very special edition of the show. The game is Mortal Kombat, the most eagerly awaited game of the year. Three rounds of head to head beat em up action, with special moves of handy and a few gruesome twists to look out for. Seconds out. Or more
0: appropriately, fight! Games Master's also had a bit of a makeover, and he's got a new cat. Roger! <laughs> <laughs> I, I'd be curious to know how much this comes up in Series 3, or
7: whether this is just like a Episode 1 throwaway joke. If it doesn't come up again, that's a shame, because if you're going to give Gamesmaster a cat, use the f***ing cat. Because <laughs> it's flavour, it's universe building. Also it's a cat called raja <laughs> very british empire very very british empire which is kind of funny given one of the ch- given the challenge we get in C- in episode two as well and Gamesmaster says this is a very special edition of the show starting as they mean to go on we're four days away from mortal monday and here's mortal Kombat in both of its home console versions
0: yeah, we had Mortal Kombat at the end of series two on the arcades. And it just feels like what an incredible leap we have made that the final challenge of series two, Mortal Kombat on the arcade. And here we are just a few months later. Now you get to play it at home in just a couple of days time. You're going to be able to play this on your own home consoles. It's it feels really, really awesome. And I, I, one of my favorite things about this episode is that this was a pure transport back to a period of time. Like, you know, you can easily just sort of like picture yourself at seven years old watching this episode and just having your mind blown about. Because you probably look at it now, 2020 eyes, you'd be like, oh, God, I've got to see the same game three times over. 1993? Luke Owen's eyes in 1993 is like, I get to see so many Mortal Kombat
7: fights. I could probably stand to watch 10 more. And... You get to see it not in an arcade platform, but in the version that you would be able to have in your very hand. So that's that's exciting because Christmas is only three months away. Oh, yeah. And I sure as f- yeah. am not getting this game for Christmas. Nope, neither am I. <laughs> and even when I do get it, I'm getting the SNES version. I don't have that much to look forward to, really. Well, we'll get to that in a little bit. So we're not going to dive into the history of Mortal Kombat just now because,
0: spoilers folks, there's a lot of Mortal Kombat in this episode. It's in every single bit of this show. So we'll do the history and all that sort of stuff when we get to it in the review zone, you know, sort of like the review zone in the feature area. We'll do it then. Works for me.
1: Yes, Mortal Kombat is going to feature largely and exclusively on tonight's show. It's the first of many specials we'll be running throughout the series. But as tonight is our first show, I'm going to throw it open to our audience here for the first challenge. Who faces their chances at Mortal Kombat? Thank you very much. Nice little welcome for you there. Right, well, there's four of you now, but only one of you is going to win the Games Masters on Golden Joystick. So, uh, right, let's tell us your names first. My name's Chris. Chris. Paul. Paul. Martin. Martin? Akbar. Akbar! Ok, so, do you like Mortal Kombat? Yes, yeah, great. I do martial art myself, actually, with my brother here. Oh, you two are brothers, are you? Yeah, yeah Participating in Taekwondo. Oh, right, so into you into violence, are you? Yeah, love it, mate. <laughs> it, mate. <laughs> <laughs> good answer. Right, have you played Mortal Kombat yeah. before?
7: great game,
4: brilliant.
1: Yeah, you good at it? Yeah, I'm alright. Okay, then are you any good at it? Yeah, I'm wicked at it. Yeah, you do. enjoy it? Yep, good it's man. You keyed up for tonight? Yep. Okay, good stuff. So Dexter Fletcher
0: opens this out as an open challenge. He gets the guard to grab these four lads. We've got Chris, Paul,
7: Martin, and Akbar. Now... Season one and season two, we pointed out repeatedly that the kids are not always comfortable on the microphones. In fact, more often than not, the kids are not comfortable on the microphones. All of these kids are comfortable on the microphones, especially Agbar. Now, two seasons in, Luke, we have the gentleman's agreement that we don't punch down for the, the kids, yeah? We don't punch down yeah. because they're kids on television. It's their first real exposure to a television camera and an audience. It's exciting. It's exciting. It's it, But yeah, but punching down on the kids, it's not... It's not the under-consultation way. Oh, but fuck me. It's difficult on this one. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I I mean, he's got a mouth.
0: He's got a mouth on him as our Akbar. He's he's got some things to say. Yes, we won't punch down on these kids, particularly Akbar. I, I think my overall takeaway of him is like, I knew a kid like this at school. In fact, I would wager that everyone listening to this show knew a kid like this at school
7: yeah actually yeah i did yeah <laughs> thankfully with akbar we saved the best to last first of all dex introduces because my notes just i just call him dex we're on the we're on that <laughs> oh, kind of level now we're just that's very smart he's dex i've
0: written df in my notes dex is, is no, that's way digital better. foundry <laughs> <laughs> and also because i keep looking at it and thinking it says dd so i called him dominic in one of the takes that we did we're gonna to have to edit out
7: yeah no no he's dex me and dex we're, we're tight already you know <laughs> I lo- it's the Ghostbusters style jumpsuit. That's just what immediately endears him to me. But Dex says there may be four of them now, but only one will walk home with a golden joystick. So we meet Chris and Paul. They're both brothers and they both actually do martial arts of their own. We meet Martin and then we meet Akbar. Now, Dex asks Paul if he's into violence and he says, yeah, well, I love it. And everyone laughs, possibly a bit nervously because they've already revealed They have belts. Mm -hmm. Martin says he's played it before and he's all right. Agbar, though, no shame. He's wicked at it. He's wicked. He is so game
0: for this. Like, he is a kid that is looking to win to prove a point
7: that he is the best at this game. But to start this first challenge, they're playing the SNES version of Mortal Kombat. So, you know, starting at the most PG end of this particular franchise. (laughs) Indeed. Other than possibly the Game Boy version, which is not only not have blood, but it's monochrome. (laughs) Dex pairs up the brothers and Martin and Akbar make up the second pair. So they're going to have one fight each and the winner from each of those fights will go on to be in the final at the end of the show.
1: But to find out which one of you is going to go first and who's going to have the first choice of characters, tell me which end the coin's in. But oh, had to be really, didn't it? That's my microphone there. Yeah? All right, then we'll give you that.
0: And to wait to find out which of these two pairs is going to go first, Dex plays this game where he's got a coin in one hand and he tells Chris, pick the hand which the coin is in. And Chris could quite easily work out which one it is because the other hand, he's holding a microphone. And Dex realises this and he goes, yeah, that was pretty obvious really, wasn't it? I'm holding a microphone in this hand.
7: I love that actually, because he's following a script but he's, he's exploring the space. He's exploring the space he and he's having a bit of fun with it also man those other three kids were slow off the mark because any one of them could have leapt in there and gone it's in that hand Akbar must have been distracted by like a bit of foil or something and just not not seen his chance to leap in right joining me
1: in the commentary box tonight is Tim Boone of NMS magazine how are you doing not bad next time oh, yeah. right. what combat what a game oh, what a game yeah this is converted actually from the coin up you yeah. get to choose between seven warriors and then you just beat the hell out of each other over three yeah. rounds right okay so the uh, the lads have obviously chosen their characters It's the best of three rounds let's find out if they're ready are you ready you battling maniacs oh, oh, okay go? start battling away now you
0: said uh, as we got into this episode that you don't have many negative notes about this episode which i think is completely fair enough i really enjoyed this episode i do have a negative on this episode though unfortunately it's tim boone who the more we get on with this show the less i like really yeah he feels too old he feels too old it'd be like if i was doing it now Like if I was doing an esports thing now and there's a load of like 21-year-olds doing it and here's me nearing 40 doing it, I just feel like sometimes just Tim's just... He, so we had this in the Star Fox review, you know, when he was trying to do the SFX, more like SEX. And
7: like, oh, Tim, not you, mate, not you. See, maybe I'm approaching it from a different perspective because one, I don't think he's that old. Two, I don't think I'm that old. Three, you asked me to go on eSports or anything like that now. And I would think, you know what? I may not be qualified to do it. But give me that microphone. And what I I do mean, and I, obviously I, I'm not going to be disparaging
0: against Tim if he is listening. Hello, Tim. We'd love to speak to you. <laughs> what, what I mean is he feels older than everyone else. That is kind of the feeling I get from Tim. He's not, it's, it's not that he's too old for this. It's that he is just, he is older than everyone else. And it's then someone trying to fit in with the cool kids.
7: I can kind of see where you're coming from. I will agree to disagree, I guess, on that one. Um, He didn't stick out to me as being out of place. I hate his commentary as well. That doesn't help. I'll be fair. I give most of the commentators a fairly easy pass on these first couple of episodes because a lot of them are probably still dealing with the fact that they're not with Dominic anymore or Dominic left under a bit of a cloud. And they're finding their style with the new host. And Dominic, while often not doing the play-by-play itself, was a gamer. Mm -hmm. So they're still finding their way around things with Dexter. But I guess we'll see. But yeah, Tim Boone is in the commentary box as the Brothers of Destruction take their seat. Chris is playing as
0: Scorpion. Paul is playing as Kano. Um, The first round is all scorpion picking up the win kano cannot get out the blocks and chris then in the second fight just traps him in the sweeping like the sweeping kick just knocking him down knocking him down knocking him down and he picks up the win kano he didn't stand a chance poor old paul
7: just could not get out the couldn't get off the starting blocks we didn't get a knife throw we didn't get a cannonball we got a couple of attempts at spears and stuff from scorpion so he knew some of the special moves he knew how to throw them yeah chris is good at this and we get to finish him and he tries for the scorpion fatality block up up yeah And Mm -hmm. he doesn't get it. He's actually slightly too close. I think he had to be a half step back. He realizes he's not going to get it. So he does the smart thing. Rather than just let him fall over, we get an uppercut. Yes. Standard non-fatality fatality. fatality. Only ever works as a proper fatality on the bridge stage when you knock them down into the pit. Yeah, you could see that he knows how to play this game. Yeah, it really is. And you
0: see that in the final as well. But
7: he pumps his fist in celebration. He's he's glad he did that. So
0: our second fight, Martin is playing as Raiden. Akbar is playing as Sub-Zero. Now, this one is more evenly matched, I would say. Martin is very good at doing the torpedo, and Akbar
7: knows how to spam that freeze fireball. When you compare it to our first couple of Street Fighter competitions that we've had on Games Master, where a throw is considered a special move, mm-hmm. the fact that we're getting ice blasts and spears and the torpedo move, which God, I'd forgotten how annoying the noise was when Raiden does that. <laughs> 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 yeah. It's still not expert level gameplay, as I'm sure many people will point out when they watch this back under modern eyes. But it's exciting. And the fact that we go three full rounds and we get some back and forth, it's some great stuff. And I always forget, particularly because it's been neutered a little bit in later Mortal Kombat games, how absolutely devastating and game changing that ice blast could be Mm -hmm. because they can be mid kick and boom, they will freeze mid air. And you can just go in there and you punch him right up the bracket. And it is so satisfying. Tell that to Jazz Rignall.
0: Um, Yeah, Akbar picks up the win first round with Sub-Zero. Martin, Martin knows how to do that torpedo move. Proper spams that in the second round to get the win. Basically, just do it again. Get up, just do it again. Get up, just do it again. And then it gets to the third round. It gets really close. But mouthy Akbar gets the win. It's Akbar versus Chris in the final. Okay,
1: okay. Let's have a word with the loser first of all, Martin. Martin didn't go too well, did it? No, I just weren't pulling off the moves that I was hoping for. <laughs> he just seemed quite devastated. Oh, don't worry about Destroyed. it. Destroyed. Destroyed? All right, Akbar. Destroyed, all right? He's a loser, man! Ah! What? So, Agmar, you're pleased with your performance, yeah? yeah? I'm pleased, all right, I'm happy. You are, good Yo. stuff. Okay, let's go over Chris and Paul and find out what went wrong, Paul. What can I say man? It's your little brother, isn't he?
7: Yeah, my little
1: brother. Well, he beat you up for a change, didn't he? Yeah, that's right, mate, yeah. Are you pleased with your result, Chris? Yeah, definitely. I'm just betting
7: him. And we go to the post-match and Martin says that he just wasn't pulling off the moves he wanted and feels destroyed and Akbar comes in saying destroyed, all right? He's a loser, man. He's a loser. Martin looks genuinely upset that he got beat by this
0: kid. He looks genuinely upset by this. I would be as well. Also, Akbar does not believe in waiting his turn. <laughs> no. Paul, on the other hand, he's got no words. Absolutely no words. Chris is just better than him. Yeah, we've got Chris versus Akbar in the final. I'm pulling for Chris to win.
7: We're not punching down, but we are definitely playing favourites. We want Chris to win. And one of them will walk away with the Games Master golden joystick. And here's a noise we've never heard on Games Master before. I felt like I was on the Generation game or something. That was (laughs) quite weird we kicked off the series with a Mortal Kombat special, but
1: how does it rate up against the other big autumn release, Street Fighter 2 Turbo Edition? Mortal Kombat's first up before the panel. The graphics and the sound in the game are very much like the arcade version. Um, If you did like the arcade, then you'd certainly be at home with this game.
7: The problem is that uh, there just simply aren't enough decent moves, and the big thing for me is it doesn't feel like you're connecting with somebody when you hit.
2: Graphically, both
1: the Mega Drive and Super Nintendo versions are great, but the Mega Drive's got the coin, the Super NES version hasn't.
7: Unless that was the main selling point of the coin, it makes the Super NES version rather redundant.
0: Well, unsurprisingly, fighting games in the review zone this week. We've got Adrian Price from Games Master Magazine, Jazz Rignall from Mean Machine Sega, and Steve Merritt from Megatech, and they're first looking at Mortal Kombat, which, as we have said at the top of the show, is out in just a few days' time. Uh, they're looking at it across all the various different consoles. say if you like the arcade version, you'll be at home with this one. But Jazz is the one who seems quite down on Mortal Kombat. He says that there aren't enough decent moves to do, and it doesn't feel like you're connecting with the moves, which is interesting because you said that you kind of, there's a, a sense of satisfaction, particularly when you're playing a Sub Zero.
7: There is. When you pull off an uppercut, either a Sub Zero or Scorpion, when you do the pull in and uppercut, the standard mm-hmm. one, yeah. two, that's satisfying. But I do agree with him that a lot of the moves, like, the kicks or the punches or whatever there does feel something of a disconnect you've got real people but they're not actually reacting to being hit because they're being filmed separately so it's like doing an action sequence with mimes but filming them all separately there's nothing for them to react against and that is i think part of where the lack of gravity and weight comes when it comes to punches and the reactions to the punches.
0: Yeah, it doesn't feel as crunchy as Street Fighter does.
7: Particularly Street Fighter 2 Turbo, where the graphics have beefed up a bit in home and arcade, and the sound is beefier, and just everything feels weightier and faster. I also will agree with him on the moves. There isn't as much variety. You don't get to vary the strength of your moves, so you... Don't get to do the trick of throw fireball, throw fireball, throw fast fireball, throw slow fireball, and causing people to jump over it and into them that you could do in Street Fighter. He's right. Mortal Kombat as a fighting game mm-hmm. is a lesser game than Street Fighter 2. It lacks yeah. variety in playing styles, it lacks variety in characters. It's easy
0: to forget, but that first Mortal Kombat, there are only seven characters to choose from. It's a kind of like Jazz's point. It may not feel like it has that last ability about it, if you you can use that as a word. Durability. Durability. There you go. I wrote
7: a book once. You did. I enjoyed its last ability. (laughs) 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 Steve Merritt of Megatech says that both games are pretty good conversions, but the Mega Drive version is the one that has the gore. And without that, the SNES version is slightly redundant. I sort of agree with him. I don't think it's redundant, but I think without the gore, you see the flaws in the gameplay. Mm-hmm. If there's no shock value, what do you have? And the answer is you have Mortal Kombat on the SNES. Which is so interesting, because when I interviewed
0: Paul W.S. Anderson for that book that I, you know, that I brought up just then, when I interviewed him about making the Mortal Kombat movie, I asked him about the the criticisms that he would have got from the game fan base, that the movie that he made is not gory... And it features no fatalities whatsoever. It is a martial arts movie done with through a Western lens. And his argument, and he gets you, get, you know, he's pretty defensive about it, but his argument is
6: that, of course, is what um, the media latched onto, because the media don't play video games. You know, the writers for the Guardian and. Uh, reporters for the BBC, you know, they, they have better things to do, especially back in the day, than play horrible video game things. And um, so what they latched onto, I think, was like 1% of the game. Because as anyone can tell you, you know, Mortal Kombat, you play the game, play the arcade game, you know, it, it was almost impossible to get a fatality. You know, and when you finally did, you know, it represented probably half of a percent of your game playing time. So ninety nine and a half percent of Mortal Kombat had nothing to do with ripping people's spines out of their bodies. Um, it was just the it was the mechanics of the gameplay, which was more the martial arts fighting. And you know, you only really understood that if you played the game. Um, and you know, I came to the movie as a, as a fan of the game. And then for me, you know, I I felt like spine ripping was blown out of all proportion by the media because you know no game. Becomes popular just because of spine ripping and blood pumping. You know, it's because you enjoy playing the game. You can you can't just enjoy half of a percent of the game and think the other ninety nine and a half percent is rubbish. You know, people really enjoyed the the hand to hand combat and the mythology of the game and the moves and, and the you know for the time rather sophisticated backgrounds and environments. You know, these were the things that I think really appealed. But of course. You know, the controversy was built on you know a small portion of the game and, and really not, not what the, you know obviously i enjoyed a good quality as much as anybody um but you know the majority of gameplay was not that.
0: so it's it's really interesting to have that conversation with him there coupled with my own memories of that time where I remember the gore being a huge talking point about the, about the game. And then you see shows like this where the gore is the big focus that they're talking about because you've got Steve Merritt here saying the gore is on the Mega Drive version, so get the Mega Drive version. The SNES version is redundant. And later on in this episode, when they play the Mega Drive version, that is what they're talking about. It's about the gore. We get to the consultation zone. What's the cheat? It's to get more
7: gore. And even in the first challenge, I think Tim says that the SNES version actually plays the better of the two. Yeah. And I would agree with him on that. Uh, The sprites are a bit bigger. They move a bit better. The sound is a bit better because the SNES has a little bit more oomph in that regard than the Mega Drive does. Better pad as well. Um, Yes and no. I think Mega Drive pads are better for fighting games. And I say that as a SNES owner. If you've got a six-button pad. No, even with the three button to a degree, because the D-pad, the D-pad is what makes a difference to me.
0: Which is true, but it's a bloody nightmare playing Street Fighter on a three button
7: pad. Oh yeah, because you have to use the start button to change between punches and kicks. Yeah, You need an extra thumb. Exactly. But despite the fact that they're dedicating the entire episode to this game almost, apart from the next review 81 percent i was shocked by that like you
0: know this they're talking about this like it is the game of the year as you said then this this whole episode is dedicated to mortal Kombat. 81 percent it just seemed
1: really low street fighter turbo is bigger faster and more colorful than its predecessor with new special moves and 12 fighting characters to choose from but does all that make it a better buy Let's ask the judges!
7: Hooray, Street Fighter Turbo at last, so aren't I excited? Well, you can be the bosses, there's more moves, and there's more to do. But it's an extra
1: 65 quid, and I don't think you can warrant that. It.
7: It's certainly arcade perfect. All the moves are in there, and all the individual characteristics, and the new
6: moves and the new version of the arcade machine. Which...
1: graphics are now a lot more
7: rougher, lot
1: more harder, and the characters look tougher than what they did in the first game. Sound has been improved greatly. Each character now has a more speech. And just basically, this is the best
7: game of the year. But as shocking as 81% was, it's almost Sonic 2 level shocking. it is. <laughs> <laughs> yes. What comes next in the red corner to Mortal Kombat's blue corner... It's Street Fighter 2 Turbo, this time and at this moment exclusively on the Super Nintendo. And this is also pretty fresh. It's been out in Japan since July. It came to America in August and it will hit Europe in October. So it's slightly in the future. So whatever they're playing here is most likely the American version. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. While everything is bigger and crunchier and there's more moves and there's bigger sound and more characters and so on and so forth, it did use the SNES port of Street Fighter 2 as its basis. They didn't start again from scratch. It had a bigger cartridge and they just kind of wedged everything in. While it's called Street Fighter 2 Turbo, it is kind of as much Champion Edition as it is Turbo. Yeah, totally. By which I mean, if you just go in and play the game without dicking around with the speed, it's Street Fighter 2 Champion Edition. As soon as you start adding the stars on to make the game go faster, woomph, then it's Turbo. But yeah, Mm -hmm. we get the original eight characters, some of which have new moves. We've got the four bosses, all of which are playable fully for the first time on a home console. We've got colour palettes out the wazoo. Everyone has multiple appearances and some of those colour combinations are really out there. (laughs) It's a bright colourful little game
0: is Turbo.
7: And the sound's been built up and it sounds beefier and bigger and there's been new instrumentation done on the the stage mixes, and it's just it is my favorite 16-bit iteration of Street Fighter 2, more so than Super Street Fighter 2. That's interesting. Because while I had Street Fighter 2, and I did own Super Street Fighter 2 down the line for the SNES, I think Turbo was where I spent the most of my time. It was also the first time I had a joystick for the SNES, so it was the first time I could ever pull off a Dragon Punch with any degree of reliability. What I find fascinating about this is Steve's comment about the game
0: is exactly what you've just said. It's bigger, it's brighter, Street Fighter 2 Turbo is finally here, so why aren't I excited? Well... It's another 65 quid. Street Fighter 2 was an expensive game on the SNES. And here we are a year later, and they're asking you to buy it again. So if you have got Street Fighter 2, but you want to get two turbo, all of a sudden you've got to pay another 65 quid to be able to get that game.
7: I'm fairly certain this for me went on a Christmas list of some kind, or birthday list or something, because yeah, there's no way me at that age suddenly could go, 65 quid there you go just wasn't gonna happen and can you imagine trying to explain
0: to a parent who's got zero interest in video games the difference between street fighter 2 and street fighter 2 turbo they've already paid 65 quid to get you street fighter 2 now you're telling them less than a year later can you buy me the next one that's the
7: same game but now i can play as m bison tell you what could be worse could be apparent nowadays why do you want fifa 21 what are these fifa packs because as guilty as capcom are of mining a franchise to release multiple iterations and i say mining a franchise mining street fighter to have multiple iterations and it's happened on two three four and five Mm -hmm. there are worse culprits in the world nowadays absolutely exactly there are but also we've got another version of street fighter 2 on the horizon we do (laughs) we do Street Fighter 2 Special Champion Edition, which hilariously is almost identical to Street Fighter 2 Turbo, including having a turbo mode.
0: Yes, there it is. That's the one that I ended up having. Jazz claims that it's arcade perfect. Come on, Jazz. And Adrian says that everything in it has been improved. It's the best game of the year. 86% for Street Fighter 2 Turbo. Gamesmaster, by your own scores. Star Fox is the game of the year. Come on, guys.
7: It is shocking that both these games scored less than 90%. Yeah. Now, I can understand why. As we just said, Street Fighter 2, it's another 65 quid about a year after the first one. Mortal Kombat, once you remove the gore, is it all that? Is it a shallower gameplay experience? I would argue Mortal Kombat 2 is night and day a million times better than the first Mortal Kombat. Mm-hmm. And then I think they kind of went a bit silly with Mortal Kombat 3. And to my mind, from the classics, Mortal Kombat 2 is the best one. Agreed. But I guess it shows that the review section of this, despite everything going on around it and the feature we're about to move into, does maintain a level of journalistic integrity <laughs> because despite everything being Mortal Kombat flavoured on this episode, the reviewers are like, ah, oh, fuck it, 81%. That's what it gets. yes
1: yeah. oh, no! yeah! Copies of the Mortal Kombat game hit the streets on Monday, hot on the heels of a half a million pound ad campaign. What's so special about it? Those game characters are real people digitized into the game to make your beat em up look even better. So, are they just acting the part? Forget it. My name is Luke K. If you want to get to the top, you gotta get through I'm Johnny Cage. No contest.
4: I'm Sonia Blade. If you
2: hesitate, I'll take you down. My name is Daniel Pesina. I played uh, Johnny Cage, Sub Zero, Scorpion, and also the bonus character Reptile. I have a Black Mountain Judo. Also, I have a uh, Black Sash in Kung Fu, Seven Star Prank Mantis, and also a Black Sash in uh, Wushu. My
4: name is Hosung Pak. I. I'm an actor in real life. I play a character named Liu Kang, and Liu Kang is Charlie Monk, and his sole purpose is to defeat Chan Song, which, ironically, the character I also played. Chen Song. I've been in the Turtle films, and I'm filming right now in Hong Kong with Jackie Chan. My real name is Liz Maleki. They needed um, a female martial artist on the last minute, and because I had been a dancer, I was able to pick up certain elements very quickly.
2: What happens is we take each character individually and we videotape them. And we take the videotape, cut out the character, feed it into a computer. And uh, that way, when you're playing Mortal Kombat, you really are the character and you really are doing the moves.
1: And remember, Mortal Kombat is totally true to life. Or is that death? Ha! <laughs> we <laughs>
0: And hey, there's more Mortal Kombat to be had, folks. We get a feature on the making of the game with interviews with Danny Pesina, who plays Johnny Cage, Sub-Zero, Scorpion and Reptile. Ho Sung Pak, who played Liu Kang and Shang Tsung and Liz Malecki, who plays Sonya Blade. Uh, they kind of talk about sort of their accomplishments. You know, uh, Danny Pesina has got so many martial arts credits to his name; It's, it's almost difficult to, to list them all. And Ho Sung Pak is, you know, he's a movie star. He was well, say movie star. He was the stunt coordinator on Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles 2. For, he was Raph's stunt double for for a lot of the while while liz was a dancer so she managed to pick up the fighting quite quickly and then you get you know this fascinating look about how they digitize an actor how they film an actor doing a thing digitize it and put it into the game which is just like it's it's mind-blowing to see here in 1993 i mean i mean midway uh, williams and had been doing this for a little while now but i remember like at the time being like i couldn't wrap my head around it that this was an actual person doing actual things.
7: We see a very brief clip of Liu Kang doing his flying kick move and then the screen grabber and then they kind of zoom it back and flip it around. It's very much an EPK Mm -hmm. kind of thing. Oh yeah, totally. It's not super in-depth, which is a shame because as we've already discussed regarding movies, finding out how this is done is our jam. But it does point out that Mortal Monday and to a degree this episode of Games Master is the culmination of a half a million pound advertising campaign. And it occurred to me that some of that half a million pounds probably went to Games Master for this 30 minutes.
0: Oh, totally. I mean, this is a is an advertorial. This entire episode is an advertorial to make you want to go and buy this game. To be fair, I don't think they needed to because
7: I already wanted to own this game. This game was oh, already yeah. Mortal was Kombat. Yeah. yeah, this was super hype. I think hype for this game has not been equaled by any Mortal Kombat that's followed it other than possibly 2. Mm -hmm. I think that may have just equaled it, particularly because at that point, the snares we got the gore. Everything after that has been a law of diminishing returns, although conversely, particularly with the more recent Mortal Kombat games, the games have been deeper. Yeah, they've been very heavy
0: on the story uh, and sort of the cinematic
7: nature of it. I play Street Fighter 2 for the fights. I play Mortal Kombat for the story. There's a sentence that 1993 me would (laughs) never have been able to grasp.
0: (laughs) Right, so maybe... Now's the time we'll dive into, you know, the the history of Mortal Kombat, because there is a very, very interesting story behind all of this. So Williams, uh, Bally, which, you know, would eventually become Midway, had a history of making these sorts of games. Well, uh, making these sorts of games were doing the digitized graphics. Funny enough, actually started with him doing a game for Journey. Uh, which was basically just them doing digitized versions of the band's faces for this sort of like little musical blip blop game of you playing uh, Journey songs. It's, it's very like that's kind of like that's how they they started doing digitized graphics. Did that game get released? I don't know. I've seen clips of it um, because funny enough I was actually just watching a documentary that's coming out soon. Um, it was it was shown at South by South, what well, was going to be shown at South by Southwest before that event got cancelled called Insert Coin which is like a, this big history of Midway that Josh Sui has been working on for absolutely years at this point. It's been a fascinating little journey for him uh, and i've been kind of watching rough cuts of it as it as it goes because he worked at midway so he has got this incredible access to the archive and because he was friends with all of them incredible access to all the people that worked on these games and so that then led to narc which then led into super smash tv and when we get to model combat it's really funny because the reason why they were doing these digitized graphics is because they could not compete with the Japanese art style. They couldn't compete with, they couldn't make a game that looked like Golden Axe. They couldn't make a game that looked like Streets of Rage, or looked like Final Fight, because they didn't have those sorts of artists there to make the game look like that. So when they came to making NARC, they were like, well, why don't we just do something different? We will film people, and we'll digitize them, and we'll put them into the game. And when we get to Mortal Kombat, I mean, this, you know, this is certainly not new territory that we're breaking here, but this was just supposed to be a six month filler game. They had a gap in the production schedule, and they needed a game that could go out and so they wanted to make a game with jean-claude van damme and jean-claude van damme effectively told them no so neil Castro from midway told him and i quote tell him to fuck off tell the guys to make their own characters fuck jean-claude van damme and so ed boone and john tobias they did to like you know John Tobias was much more into the idea of doing their own characters anyway, and that is what led to the creation of Mortal Kombat. And they had Danny Pesina in to film him as Johnny Cage, and they did all of his bits and pieces, put some bits and pieces together, and they kind of did it as a test run. And all of a sudden, this game that was supposed to be a six-month filler project became, okay now we need to make more of this this needs to become a big release we need to put so much more money into this it's really funny because when they were filming danny Piscina, like they <laughs> they at one point asked him because he was doing things too fast so when they were then like recording it then trying to digitize it, they were just getting a lot of blur motion so they kept asking danny can you float can you do it can you do it slower and can you float which of course he can't um so they then had to do like when they were doing flying kicks you would just put them on these little stairs And you would just put them there so they can balance on the stairs, doing the flying kick, and that you'd film that. And and that's how you go. And one of the things that kind of like moved this from being just, you know, a a six-month project into the, the big model combat that it would become is that one day, John Tobias, he was there programming away, and they showed the test footage of Johnny Cage versus Johnny Cage. And at one point, Johnny Cage ducks down, and he uppercuts the other Johnny Cage in the head, and the other Johnny Cage's head flies off and this blood spurt comes out and it bounces on the floor and Danny Pasino tells the story like when he saw this he was like shocked by it because he's like you just you just killed me. Can we do this? And Neon de Castro, you know, the director of Midway, was just like, F it, yes, we can. This needs to be, every character needs to have one of these moves. And Neil like wanted it to be as like, big and bold as possible. He wanted to have a death move where someone ripped off a leg and beat their opponents to death with their, you know, with their sort of like amputated leg, which would end up in Mortal Kombat 4.
7: Yeah, I was going to say, that happened. <laughs> I've, I've done that fatality
0: in the game, not yes. real life. And the, the, the way that they tell it is that the fatalities weren't supposed to be discovered. But within a week of the game being out, people discovered them. And then it just spread like wildfire that these things were in there. And it became the most uh, talked about thing. And it became this this huge thing for them. And Mortal Kombat just became this overnight success for Midway. became this huge sensation. They actually loved the, the Mortal Kombat characters so much. They put the Mortal Kombat characters in NBA Jam. They put them in the tournament edition in the arcade. And they thought that was a great idea until the NBA called them. And were very, very upset that Mortal Kombat characters were in the game. They didn't mind that the Midway team were in the game but they did have a massive problem that the Mortal Kombat characters were in there. So they had to scramble to get new ROM chips out to all the places that they sent these NBA Jam tournament edition cabinets out to to get them to be removed from the game.
7: I find that absolutely boggling because it wasn't just the Midway team that were in the NBA Jam games. Like Bill Clinton was in there. Mm -hmm. Like all sorts of various politicians and leaders and actors and fictional characters. And God knows what. But also it surprises me a little because obviously that demo of the uppercut with Mm -hmm. the head flying off, it was a lightning in a bottle moment. It was the spark that ignited the franchise. But it wasn't the first computer game where you could kill your opponent decisively by decapitation because the barbarian games going back to the 8-bit era had that. In fact, That was my first exposure to someone being decapitated was the Barbarian Games. Also my first exposure to Wolf the Gladiator's Nipples because he was on the cover. (laughs) But one of the things that was touched upon in the epk is that Sonya blade elizabeth she was a dancer and she was called in due to a last minute need for a martial artist so they got a dancer because dancers are very good at learning moves learning routines and for the purpose of what they were doing that was going to work just fine and the reason it was last minute is because mortal kombat was a six fighter game until quite a way through development when beta tester feedback said Can can we have a female fighter, please? And so at that point, the game went from six to seven. And I didn't know that she was last-minute addition until fairly recently, certainly by comparison to distance between now and when the game was first released, because I always thought seven fighters was weird. Yeah, An odd number of fighters to choose from felt kind of weird and the way i rationalized it in my head at the time was that pit fighter that well-loved <laughs> game also only had three fighters so i thought well maybe it's because they're both digitized i don't know funny thing about uh, liz as well is that you you may
0: notice when you play the game is that she doesn't really have a fatality she does but you know she just sort of blows a kiss and then they blow up and the reason for that is because liz malecki did not want to have a fatality in the game she didn't want to have anything that was, like, ridiculously gory. She was like, I just want to be able to give them flowers. I just want to be able to give them a little kiss and just be friends with them. So they just filmed her blowing a kiss, and that was what ended up being
7: her fatality. <laughs> I imagine she saw the finished product and she was like, why, Ayana? <laughs> of course, she'd get a wish a game or so later with friendships. Yeah, Exactly.
0: What's kind of interesting that I find about Mortal Kombat and its history is that it is a game that is kind of overshadowed somewhat by the the controversy surrounding it. And what's kind of fascinating is that the arcade release didn't have them because kids would go to arcades. Kids, teenagers, young adults, they would go to arcades. Parents very very rarely went to the arcades. Go there, pick up their kids, that's it. But parents were never walking around the arcades and seeing what their kids were playing. It wasn't until Mortal Monday... And as you say, this big half a million dollar advertising campaign, this big worldwide explosion they were trying to make, this big worldwide release, that all of a sudden Mortal Kombat became the most talked about game because parents found out and, importantly, the media found out.
4: Cold-blooded murder is making Mortal Kombat the most popular video game in history. Kids relish their victory and their bloody choice. Should they pull out their opponent's heart? or simply rip his head off just to see his spinal cord dangle in a pool of blood. How do you feel about cutting his head off? After a $10 million advertising campaign, Mortal Kombat, debuting in home video today, is expected to sell 2 million copies at $50 a pop. A horrifying possibility for parents who can't believe the game makers are fantasizing about decapitation and murder.
0: I don't think
6: they'll have this at home, no. So? <laughs> a little bit you too violent. You
0: look a little startled. Yeah, it's a little too violent, I think.
4: That's pretty bad. I, that, that's just plain gross. Furthermore, advanced technology allows digitized video of real martial arts actors, making the action look real and not as cartoony. In fact, Mortal Kombat so shocked the managers at a nationwide arcade chain that they tried a sanitized version of the game. Instead of chopping the opponent's head off, he simply disappears. Sales dropped 40%. They came up
1: and said, what would you do to the game? It's no fun anymore.
4: Kids are saying chill out to worried parents. I think TV personally influences more than a video game. Video game is a video game. The bottom line? Parents wonder if kids can separate fantasy from the real thing. Wait until they
0: get out in a situation where they're fighting and then they'll think about this and try to make it real.
7: And I think we've touched on it before, but the media love a scapegoat and they've been mm-hmm. looking... For a new video nasty and between Mortal Kombat and Night Trap and a few of the other games we've got coming down the line video games were finally the pantomime villain that they needed exactly we've had comic books we've had metal music
0: we've had DD, we've had the video nasties now we've got the new buggy man
7: and the crazy thing is their whole reasoning behind it is well it's not even cartoon violence these are real people it's like well no they're not real people there aren't little people living inside your computer apart from reboot which is obviously real <laughs> but they're, they're digitized they are no more real than films And horror movies have been around for ages. In fact, you may remember the video Nasties that you kind of tried to get banned and only partially succeeded with, and that led to actually horror being a bigger industry than ever before. I mean, Midway themselves
0: loved it. Like, because every time that the media did a story about it, they could
7: see their sales spike. One company who definitely didn't love it was nintendo mm-hmm. because sega when it came to the home port were sure bring it on over i see you like the color black that's cool we like the color black too nintendo exactly. were like okay this blood Nah. X ixnay, ixnay on go. the udblay
0: we want we want mortal kombat released on the system but we don't want mortal kombat released on the system the way that it is. Tom Kalinski at Sega, on the other hand, would just like
7: with open arms be like, oh, come on in. We don't have Street Fighter here. We need this. Here's a goat. Would you like to sacrifice the goat? Is that your <laughs> thing? We hear you may be aligned with metal music. And the biggest pain of that is, as we already kind of covered in the reviews, is the SNES was better equipped to do Mortal Kombat than the Mega Drive. <laughs> so you was. had the full fat Mortal Kombat on the skinny latte device. <laughs> and you, you had the grande mocha but with no whipped cream over on the snares. yeah i'm really craving coffee it's been a long day (laughs) and also the handhelds weren't left out the game gear got a version which i believe was also bloody Mm -hmm. and then you had the game boy version which could have been bloody we don't know because it was in monochrome and also you couldn't see shit in that game on the game boy screen and as always give a shout out to stop skeletons from
0: fighting who has done a excellent video on all of the mortal combat ports including that game gear and game boy version
7: But while the wagons were beginning to circle over Mortal Monday, Channel 4 continuing its whole outlaw broadcaster stance. We're pre-Watershed and we're getting the Mega Drive version with the blood code switched on because blood will fly. Absolutely it is, yeah. And I suppose
0: the the other big thing that came out of Mortal Kombat and all the controversies, you know, Captain Kangaroo and, and his campaign that he had against it, and you, won't somebody think of the children? Is that it forced the video game industry to start to regulate itself? Mortal Kombat, Night Trap, and the games of its ilk, Castle, you know, Castle Wolfenstein 3D, to a lesser extent, are responsible for the ESRB and the the rating system that we got and you know and we still have it is the video games self-regulation of what this video game is because the bbfc would get involved much later on in sort of like you know video games lifestyles but up until this point they weren't rated at all now they have to be rated
7: but we mentioned goro briefly earlier because all of these characters up until this point are ostensibly human i mean okay sub-zero scorpion not sure, but Johnny Cage, actor. Sonya Blade, military. Liu Kang, Sherlin Monk. Kano... Assassin. Assassin, slightly cybernetic, assassin. Sub-Zero and Scorpion, ninjas slash demons, depending on where you are in the canon. Scorpion is definitely meant to be undead at this point, but was human at one point. Mm -hmm. And then Raiden. Okay, Thunder God, but takes the (laughs) form of a human and occasionally... Christopher Lambert. (laughs) But they're all human. Even Shang Tsung, the big boss, underneath a ton of age makeup, is human in form. But there's one exception, which is the sub-boss, Goro, which gets really Ray Harryhausen. Yeah. Because this isn't a man in a costume. This is stop motion animation this has more in common with clay fighters than it does with the rest of the stuff that you see in mortal kombat because mortal kombat they're doing the moves and then it's being broken down into frames Mm -hmm. goro is the other way around He's having everything captured as the frames. And it does make me wonder, where would we have been with a Mortal Kombat that was actually realistic stop-motion animation, as opposed to Clay Fighters, Mm -hmm. which is very cartoony? Where would we have been with a realistic stop-motion animation game that maybe still had the gore, maybe still had the blood? Would people have been quite as upset? Because even if it had been realistic maquettes, they wouldn't have been actual people being filmed.
0: Yeah, that certainly is an interesting idea. And whether that game would have been as successful if it had been a stop motion thing because it would have had like, you know, it would have had the big these are real people. I don't know. Maybe
7: it would have been. Maybe the gore would have been the big selling point still. I reckon it might have been because of all the things to level at clay fighters as criticism and there is a lot of criticism to level at clay fighters the fact it was stop motion was not one of the things no the fact that it played like dog that was one of the major (laughs) things (laughs) but we're going to be talking a lot about mortal Kombat
0: as this series goes on and not even actually this series as we get into series four as well so we've got the gore special coming at the end of series four but mortal Kombat becomes this unstoppable behemoth that has a lot of rip-offs and a lot of attempts to try and cash in on the Mortal Kombat controversy creates cash.
7: But Luke, it's time for the
5: celebrity challenge. What game could they possibly be playing? <laughs> I don't know. Let's ask the Games Master. Well, as it's a Mortal Kombat special, what better we than to have two other real stars playing themselves on the game, just as you saw in my little featurette. I'm really looking forward to this. Let's <laughs> jump. Yes, and the very
1: special guests that we have playing themselves tonight on the Mortal Kombat is none other than Sonya and Johnny Cage. Please give them a big welcome. (laughs) You're the real people from the game, but can you play it? Sure, uh, absolutely. You can, yeah? You enjoy good Mortal Kombat. Totally, totally. Is there lots of rivalry between the pair of you? And uh, yeah. yeah, okay.
0: Marvel. Yep, we are playing Mortal Kombat again. And this time, very specially, we're going to be getting the actual actors playing their characters. We've got Danny Pesina and Liz Malecki as Johnny Cage and Sonya Blade. This is fun, man.
7: This is a unique point in history because this is the first time characters for a video game have appeared on a promotion Emotional tour, and they've been the people that were actually playing the characters because it's the first time actual people have played characters. It's not someone in a Mario or Sonic suit or a Zool suit (laughs) (laughs) these are the dudes that were captured for the game wearing the costumes they wore in the game and by god I hope they've got some space heaters in the Games Academy because it's got to be chilly there Luke oh absolutely yeah also I will just like to say that you can tell we are no longer in the era of Dominic Diamond because not once did either Games Master or Dex say that they were going to play with themselves
0: (laughs) (laughs) it's a real shame but they do say that they can can both play the game and they can kick but we'll certainly see about that though
1: so to see johnny cage and sonya battling out on mortal combat stay with us until after the break monster in my pocket from the beginning dinosaurs were huge creatures it's not
4: huge and this is
1: a stegosaurus 24 dinosaurs from monster in my pocket They're not
3: huge, but they are neat and they fit in my pocket.
1: Monster in my pocket.
5: Dinosaurs.
3: I remember the night we walked barefoot in the wet sand. I remember the sparkle and bubbles in the moonlight. And I remember, too, discovering these delicious little milk chocolate squares with their soft caramel and oh, mm, that lovely crunchy bit. And I tried to forget that someone saw fit to name them munchies. I said I tried to forget. Hmm.
1: Hello, welcome back. With us we have Sonia and Johnny Cage battling out as themselves on Mortal Kombat. With me is Tim Boone in a commentary box. Hi, Dex. Hi, Tim. How are you, all right? So these guys are going to be playing on the uh, Mega Drive version. How does that differ from the SNES? Right, well, for my money, the Super Nintendo version actually got slightly better gameplay, but the Mega Drive version has got all the death moves and all the blood. Here they are, Sonya, Johnny Cage yep. in the flesh. <laughs> okay, it's the best of three rounds. Let's find out if they're ready. Are you ready, guys? Yeah. Then start your challenge. Let's
0: go. We come back from the ad break. Tim Boone is back in the commentary box, and now we're playing my version of Mortal Kombat. We're playing the bloody Mega Drive version. Bloody being the operative word. Am I right? Yes. <laughs> Tim's commentary from this is just constantly saying.
1: <laughs> now these guys, are oh, yeah, these guys yes. are pros. Great special move from Sawyer. There was a flip kick there, and, and he's doing it again. Oh, brilliant play! What can Joy do about this? He's just making an energy wave as well. He's got oh, it Oh, but that's nice a great throw. Johnny. These guys are
0: pros. they're pros these are the pros they're the pros and can i tell you what sonya is a pro at that bloody leg grab
7: she loves using that move it is an overpowered move in that first game and once you know how to do that well you've got it there's very few people in the game that can't be dealt with with that like goro goro is one yeah once she masters that it's all about that. Johnny Cage, poor bugger. We don't get a split kick. We don't get a shadow kick. We don't get an energy ring. He's big on the jumping kicks, which in the early Mortal Kombat games, they're a very effective way to wear your opponent down because sometimes Mm -hmm. you can get over the blocks. There's ways around it. And the only real risk you have is from Sub-Zero and that's getting caught by the freeze blast. Johnny does land first blood, literally, because (laughs) he wallops her and there is this massive spurt of blood and dexter even says right at the top of this section when they're talking about it being a bloody game and they're going to show the blood and he's like are we allowed to do that and Tim Boone's like <laughs> yeah. we don't
0: care Anarchy it's channel and the 4 streaks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah but poor old Johnny kind of like Kana we had in that first game cannot get out the starting blocks particularly when Sonya is just juggling him back and forth with the leg grabs and it gets to the point finish him comes up on screen and I would probably wager that she did not do this herself because they zoom in onto a different area of the game where they were playing originally so she can do her finishing move. she can do her face Fatality.
7: Spoilers: We get two fatalities in this episode, and I don't think either of them were done at the time they were nope. inserted afterwards. And I said I don't have much negative to say about this episode, and I'm not going to say anything negative about this because we've talked about games master building a narrative before, and it would be crap to have an entire episode <laughs> of games master dedicated to mortal combat and not get some fatalities. If this is part of the advertising, you're gonna want to have the fatalities
1: on TV, right? Absolutely. Well done. Using very many special moves there. I don't know what happened. Well, don't worry about it, Sonia. Do you please with your victory?
4: Yes. Yeah. That's what he gets for being so cocky.
1: Absolutely. Did he surprise you? Won then? No. No. Neither was I. Absolutely. It was a fantastic victory, almost flawless.
0: Poor old Danny. He didn't. He couldn't do any special moves. He just. He doesn't know what happened. <laughs> Sonia,
7: I love Liz just going like he was too cocky. And that's when Dex asks if she surprised she won, and she says no. No. <laughs> and Dex quickly backpedals, saying, oh, good, good, neither was I. <laughs> and she gets the joystick and she gets the win.
0: I uh, I, thoroughly enjoyed it, Ash. Really, really enjoyed that.
7: It was a lot of fun. You may not be on board for the Tim Boone Express on this episode, but I thought his commentary was fine. I thought Dexter was fine. I thought both the actors were great. The game was good. The crowd were red hot. Apart from the guy stood right by the door when the two celebrities come through it at the beginning of this challenge. He's mm. clapping like it's a muscle memory, not like it's something he's actively wanting to do. But that's what Danny had to say about the challenge then. But what does he have to say about it now?
0: So we're joined by a man who many of our listeners will have spent a lot of time with in the early 90s. You may know him as Johnny Cage, Reptile, Scorpion, Sub-Zero and Smoke, but he also goes by the name of Daniel Pesina. Welcome to Under Consultation, Danny. Thank
2: you. Thank you for having me. And uh, hello, everyone out there.
0: So, uh, yeah, you are Johnny Cage. Uh, uh, How did you get involved with, with Mortal Kombat?
2: I'm a I'm a geek. Like, I, I collect comic books. I still have some comic books. Uh, and uh, my brother had a friend who started this uh, eclectic group of creative minds. So we had, what, me as a martial artist, my brother uh, uh, would draw, like hand draw. We had some sculptors. We had uh, DJs. We had break dancers. And we would all get together and just kind of brainstorm ideas and hang out play Dungeons and Dragons and stuff like that. And one of the guys that did that was John Tobias. So years later, he called me up and he's like, hey, I have an idea for a video game. Will you help me pitch it? I work for this company called Midway. Will you help me pitch it? And so I was like, okay. So we got together. I I got my brother and Rich Divizio, who's Kano. So we had Mm -hmm. uh, the guy, my brother Carlos, who's Raiden. Uh, So we went into Midway and we videotaped some choreography and just some uh, general martial art movement. And then he took that in his drawings and he approached Midway about uh, a video game. It didn't have a, a name, but it, he wanted to use real people and also use martial artists for it.
0: Yeah, because, I mean, you've got a, an incredible background in, in martial arts. Um, if, I, if I've got this correctly, it's, you're a black belt in three different types of martial arts. Is that right? Uh,
2: I have a, a black belt equivalent in those, but those are a, a modern day thing. The invention of the black belt, is like 80 years old. So it's mm. not really a traditional thing, but I guess my highest achievement is old school master level, which is having a mind body connection. Other masters can recognize when you have it because it's like uh you're running pretty uh, efficiently. So yeah, I've been practicing <laughs> a long time. 1969, I started
0: in 1969. Uh, I mean, I've actually I've recently seen Josh Sui's documentary Insert Coin uh, about the the history of Midway, which you're featured on. And that's got some amazing behind the scenes footage of of the making of Mortal Kombat. And the, the the thing that really made me laugh from that is one of the Instructions you were given was, uh, can you jump in slow motion or just do things that was like sl- do things a bit <laughs> yeah. slower?
2: Yeah, it, yeah. We were trying to uh, Tobias's dad owned the camera, so we were just mm. trying to uh, you know experiment with stuff and trying to get like a clean, clean images. So the process was really painstakingly long because we didn't know mm-hmm. what we we're doing. You know, I recall John, you know, in the early days, with you know, uh, he was like, okay, do something cool. And so that's how we started. I just started doing stuff, and then we started organizing it. But uh, it, it, there was a lot of uh, love into that game. If I'm
0: if I'm correct here, and obviously this might be incorrect because I got the black belt thing wrong, I'm going to blame your IMDb page for that.
2: <laughs> no, no, but it is true. I do have like a, I reached like a black sash or black belt level in, in three arts, okay. so that that is true. But it's like something I'm not super proud of because it's like oh, uh, it's okay. a black belt. It's it's kind of not it's. a a modern term but you
0: like were basically the first thing that was shot for the game like you know johnny cage the the character was kind of like the first thing that was done and uh so you were basically you were like the first stuff that was done for the game
2: yeah yeah actually we spent about five eight hour days trying to get a pathway to the game john described it as a pathway into the game Mm -hmm. like uh just creating uh movement that later on we could use for uh, almost all the characters you know the footage you saw which uh is footage i own uh, of the making a game is is the original footage but it doesn't include the original probably 50 hours of creating the game we taped over that because to save money on tape so <laughs> it was so low budget that uh when we would come in sometimes john would just tape over it and be like okay we got the you know we have enough tape now because he, he, he we didn't have a budget you know the budget was really super low yeah
0: because i mean it wasn't designed to be like a big release for midway it was basically like a, a six month well we've got a gap in uh Production schedule. Just get a get an arcade game out as quickly as you can.
2: Yeah, uh, yeah. And two, uh, after we pitched the game to Midway, they originally said no. They liked the idea of a fighting game, and uh, as I recall, they were like, "No, but maybe we can get Jean Claude Van Damme to do a game with us." And so they dropped Mm -hmm. our project and went and proceeded to try to do a game with uh, Jean Claude Van Damme.
0: Yeah, which uh, then he turned down. So they uh, they went right back around (laughs) Yeah, luckily
2: he turned down, and then John, you know, John was just like, "Hey." back on and i was like oh okay what what are we going to do it's a show up for work i was like what should i wear and it's just, he goes just wear regular uh workout clothes because we need to start trying to figure out how to create this game and i was like okay let's go uh, the,
0: the other thing i wanted to ask about just the, the making of the game your reactions to the fatalities so when you first saw it because it's like you know it, it's shown on the screen it's johnny cage decapitating johnny cage which you know is you so it's like yeah. you seeing yourself knocking your own head off
2: yeah. Yeah. It was really, we only had one character and we were playing and the whole blood thing was not under control. So mm-hmm. I think that, uh, you know, they were, they were discussing taming down the blood, but it had such a good reaction with all that blood in it that they just kept it like that. And that actually looks like me. So when it happened, I'm just like, holy cow. I was just like, ah. In fact, I was just John. You, you know, can we do this? And John was like, "Who's in this room?" I was. Just, I looked around. I said, "It's just you and I." He's like, "Correct. We could do whatever we want."
0: <laughs> with Gamesmaster, then, like Ash and I were, were talking about just uh, with you just for, before we came on to record this, that this was you know a bit of a, a bit of a promotional tour for Model Combat. It was coming onto the home console systems in late
7: '93, and it was a half a million pound promotional project that included adverts, tour events, and one would assume a certain amount of money going towards Games Master because the entire episode was all Mortal Kombat with the centrepiece being the appearance of Johnny Cage and Sonya Blade. You are the first generation of video game characters that were actually the people in the game, as opposed to just being a mascot costume or or, or someone just representing someone else's drawings. So I guess leading us to Games Master, at what point were you approached and said, hey? The game's coming out. We need promotional tours. We need in person appearances. How was that approached with you?
2: Um, Originally, like the cast of uh, Mortal Kombat, except with the exception of Liz, we all hung out together like pre Mortal Kombat. And John was like, uh, John was main thing was get people who can work for cheap. So basically, (laughs) it was our friends. You know, and I was like, oh, we got, we have Tony. Kung Lao was originally going to be in it, but he dropped a weight and broke his toe. He was going to be the uh, ninjas, the Lin Kuei. Um, Hosung used to hang out with us, you know, so they all knew John uh, Tobias uh, before Mortal Kombat. So I was approached to get the, the group together to do a short appearance at this CES show in Chicago. And so originally they were like, hey, how much, you, how much for two hours? So I told them a price. So we went to this event thinking that we were going to spend two hours signing autographs. And the line was so long that we spent over eight hours signing autographs. And two, I think because we were martial artists, like uh, the first person who asked me to to take a picture with me because we were going to take pictures with people. I, I jumped up on the table. I just jumped up on the table and I did. I struck a pose, a fighting pose, and the people freaked out. And all of a sudden, everybody wanted to take pictures with us. So we were no longer <laughs> behind the tables finding autographs. We were like doing punches and kicks and kind of just getting everybody hyped up for the game. And and at that point, Acclaim was like, oh, man, we have to have these guys out for the first day we're selling the game. So then they approached me and I got myself, uh, Liz, and Hosung to go out to to London for the game. And then when we got there, they hey they sprung on us. They were like, hey, you're going to be on this show called Games Master. And I was just like, Whoa. Okay, you know, so everything was just, just like the creation of the game, everything was just fly by a seat of your pants type of uh, deal.
0: The the feature that's in the episode where they interview you and Liz and and Ho I I thought that was just a, a press pack that had already been put together. I didn't realize that ads actually filmed by Games Master.
2: Yeah, uh, again, nothing was. Everything was on the spot when they they got us through the door and then I saw all the people there and I was just like, oh, th- there's tons of people here. And they're like, oh yeah, they're in back and hey, would you mind doing, you know, would you mind uh, playing the game? And I'm like, uh, I don't really play the game. I practice martial arts, but I don't play the game. And then and then we kind of uh got together myself, Liz, and Ho Sung. And Ho Sung is like, I don't want to play the game because I don't know anything about the game. <laughs> you know, I'll just smash buttons. And I so you guys, you and Liz play the game. And then I was like, oh, oh okay, let's do this. But beforehand, Liz actually asked one of the guys to teach her that her the move she helped create, like where the leg the crab move where you grab by the legs and throw me over. Yeah, yeah. So She's practicing this move while we're trying to figure out what's, what we're going to say, you know, how we, <laughs> this is going to go down. So then she proceeded to get me and uh, get me and beat my butt. She, she she actually really with the game. She really I didn't let her win. She actually won.
0: When we reviewed the the challenge uh, on the podcast, we were like, yeah, Liz loves that leg move. Like that is the, the move that she knows. She <laughs> spams that move. <laughs>
2: she did she like beat my butt with that move just flipping me over and over again but to her credit it it is one of the things that she wanted to 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 put in the game that the uh, the main thing is like um I guess when we're in the creation of the games, we were always trying to not only one up each other, come up with a cooler move, but also we were, uh, all collaborated on on everything. We got the the, mm. the actors really had a, a major hand in creating their characters, their personality.
0: Well, that, that's what I was I was going to ask next because I mean, you're not on the show as as Danny Piscina, uh, and yeah. like you know, it, Liz wasn't on a, as as Liz. You were on as Johnny Cage and Sonya Blade, so you have to be in character while you're you're doing everything there. Like, so kind of what was that process like? And is this something that you really enjoyed doing?
2: Uh, Yeah, because uh, actually, we weren't in character. It's just everybody just acted like themselves magnified. So (laughs) you know what I mean? So uh, a lot of the a lot of people are like, Oh, you acted. No, it was easier just to borrow a piece of your personality and throw it in there instead of relying on an acting skill. I just was like, Okay, well, you know, since we're A martial artist, and we're all really competitive i was just like oh we're gonna i'm just gonna magnify that and be johnny cage you know as as arrogant for scorpion i was like oh scorpion is uh is originally like not a nice guy so i'm gonna be ruthless when i when i do scorpion and uh for us when we were creating the game scorpion and sub-zero were actually brothers so sub-zero is actually the nice brother so when I did that, I kind of had did a more honorable kind of type of character doing that. So everybody just kind of just took part of their personality and, and interjected it into into those characters.
0: I mean, you both look like you're having a lot of fun on the show. Oh, yeah. was, it a, was it a really fun day?
2: You know, and everything uh, as as far as I'm like I'm concerned, everything from Mortal Kombat, every day was fun. Every during the creation, every day was like hilarious. Because again, you know, you have these group of geeks. And if you ever played Dungeons and Dragons, you know, that bickering that goes on during the campaign, Mm -hmm. that exact bickering happened all the time when we were filming the game, coming up with ideas and, you know, and a lot of, uh, stuff the extra stuff in the game comes from like that bickering when i created the kiss of death for sonya i was like oh sonya has to have a kiss of death and then so we set it up and then liz was just like why do i have to kill them why can't i just be their friend i want to just give them a flower can't i just give them a flower and be friends and we started all laughing but in mortal Kombat 2 you come out with a friendship Mm -hmm. yeah and like uh, and then like when we're filming Kano, we were setting up a, a special move and then Rich just started breakdancing, like dancing around and breakdancing and stuff like that. And so later on, we came out with these goofy dances, you know, uh, for in Mortal Kombat 2. But so a lot of it, you know, in the first game, we wanted to have tag teams. We wanted to have secret characters like right away. Mm. John was like, just like, oh man. He goes, I, he goes, we got to finish this in eight, eight months. We can't do everything we're thinking of, you know? <laughs>
0: yeah. yeah, I've got to say, like that secret character, Reptile, that was like, in the the schoolyard when I was a kid, that was a big talking point. And when Mortal Kombat came out for the the Mega Drive, here it was just like, <gasps> like, do you know there's another character in the game? And I was like, there there is. And like, you would read like hint books and stuff about how to get Reptile. Uh, it was yeah, it was a very big talking point for us.
2: Yeah, uh, because of the special moves and the secret characters had this mysterious persona. Like, I remember uh, about four years ago, I was doing an interview with John Tobias. And there's a kid, not a kid, because he was a kid when he played it, and now he's like a a 38, 40-year-old man telling John, oh, there was another secret character in Mortal Kombat 1. And then John is like, oh no, there's just reptiles as the secret character. And this guy's like, no, I saw a secret character. And he actually argued with John for like five minutes that there was another secret <laughs> character until John was just like, during the interview, he was like, okay, I'm walking away. Because he could, you know, he's like, no, I, you know, I was one of the creators of the game. You're going to argue with me that there's another secret character in the game? But well, there's not. But this guy insisted that he saw a secret character in the game. So whether, who, so it was just, all this mysterious stuff going on uh, made it really really uh, a fun fun game.
7: It's really great to hear how much input the cast had with Mortal Kombat because nowadays when you look at the games that are the big releases, they're massive studio productions that are micromanaged and produced and revised and it goes up to corporate and comes back down from corporate because they are big investment games. And it is wonderful to hear that a game that was as important as Mortal Kombat had such freedom and creativity because you were literally making it up as you went along. There were no established rules for these sorts of productions or games in the West. Honestly, I think looking back at the time, I did until this conversation just assume that while, yes, it was new, that it was going to still have the same level of production and you would go in every day and it would all be storyboarded and there'd be a checklist of all the moves that you had to do. <laughs> so to find out that it's not like that has genuinely made my week. Like, it's, <laughs> it's just made yeah. me realise that it was even more rock and roll <laughs> than I than I thought it might have been.
2: Yeah, we were on uh, two again because again, when I was talking to John, and later on when we pitched the game to Ed, I want I wanted a game. So they were like, "We're going to make two hundred cabinets." And then I told Ed because Ed was like, "Is the boss of, was the boss that we were we had this meeting and we were pitching to." I asked Ed, "Ed, if we make two hundred and one, I'll let you make as many games as you want." And Ed is like, "No, there those games are like five thousand dollars. We're we're only going to make two hundred games, and that's it." So I think that was the that was the reason why it was so uh there, the creative input was was like the mesh a mesh together because it was like there was no expectations, there was really no budget, so we had to you know figure out different ways to to uh, to make do and to kind of fit things in and, you know, bring co- uh, parts of the costume from home. And just that, that freedom to be like, John would be like, okay, we don't really know what we're doing, just do whatever. You know, at one point, I remember uh, doing the flips on concrete, you know, in the early days, I was doing these falls and flips on this concrete. And I went to John, and I'm like, John, you know, I don't think the rest of the gang is going to want to fall on concrete you know it's a little hard on your body and john john turned to me he's like oh i have a mat and i kind of just looked at him and he he gives me his uh john tobias smirk one side goes up and his nose flares up he got he's got a certain like evil smile and he's like well you weren't you didn't ask for it and you weren't complaining so i didn't i didn't want to bring it out so you know so you know so so it was really really fun you know uh, we would do the moves like 50 60 times and then sometimes john would be like you know what the first time you did it was the best one and then and and then i kind of look at him i was like and and why do you do the extra just to see what it was going to look like you know so we would just be goofing around all the time like having these shenanigans with with each other
0: one of the uh, going back to your time on on Games Master on the show, um, we've we're in a new era of Games Master. Like we've got a brand new host uh, on the show with Dexter Fletcher because you know he's now gone on to be this you know this this big time director. Do you have any memories of, of what Dexter Fletcher was like on the day?
2: I recall that he was really friendly and uh, he was also. Uh, when I, I watched him work, he was also fly, flying by the seat of his pants on fire, like all over the place. I was like, wow, they're just like us. You know, there everybody, <laughs> there's nobody, there's no one who has one specific job. Everybody has as many jobs as they could possibly handle. So I, re, I recall that, you know, when uh, he was, I was chatting with him and all of a sudden, you know, in mid-sentence, boom, he was gone. And I was just like, oh, okay, so that's cool. He's got things to do and came back and he started exactly where he left off with the conversations. And then we we converse a little bit more about stuff of what, you know, what was going to go on and then he'd be gone again. So, yeah, it was (laughs) he was being pulled all over the place. But he handled Amazing.
0: it well. Liz beats you by doing her fatality, uh, Sonya Blade. Did she really do it, or did they have to get someone else to to go in and, and sort of do a a, a retape of it? Because like on on the show, it zooms in onto the uh, onto the actual fatality itself. So there's always been chat amongst like people talking about it online that Liz didn't actually do it on the day. Someone else had to do it, and then they just sort of inserted it in.
2: We filmed some things like uh, her doing that. So that that footage was available then because we were just kind okay. of – Yeah, so they were kind of filming. We did a couple of fight sets, uh, which we didn't know that we were going to do. They kind of like, hey, can you do a fight set with Hosung? And, you know, and, and two on Fairy's, uh joypad. That was all just give us two minutes to come up with something and kind of have an idea and just kind of goofing around. And, and, uh, and I think that's why it was all just – you know, fun. It was just made fun because there was no, it wasn't, everything was loose, you know, as mm. far as, you know, uh, oh, just, hey, do this. Okay. What did you guys come up with? Okay. Let's take a look at it. Let's go.
0: That's good to know. We, uh, we've actually. We were a bit, you know, we weren't sure whether it really was Lister pulling off the fatality, but it's nice to hear that it was actually her doing
4: it.
2: Like I said, they were, they asked us to do like a bunch of, we filmed, you know, did a lot of little takes and things like that. And and again, the crew, I remember the crew was really, really friendly and we were really having fun with them. They were uh, showing us how they're creating the episode. So really like, hey, we're going to do this and that and check this out. We're going to do this, you know, this and that in the end, because too, at that time, uh, when we flew back to the U.S., we wouldn't actually be able to see the episode, so they tried to make sure that we had a really good idea of what the episode was going to look like.
6: Awesome!
0: Oh, that's really cool.
2: They, yeah, they took care of us, you know, and they <laughs> and they made time for us to uh, to see what the project would look like, and you know, basically how it was going to turn out in the end.
7: In the uh, the years that have passed, and obviously the internet and YouTube, have you gone back in more recent years and looked at the episode and looked at yourself uh, on Games Master?
2: Um, I get it sent to me probably four or five times a year since then yeah so, <laughs> you know uh it is like being in the game i I don't consider like at that app f- fans I consider them friends because there's something about that era you know, and shows like game masters and uh and just the way the interaction playing the video game, you know, now it's, everything's on, you know, over the internet, but back then you had to play face-to-face. Even when you had the home home console, you know, your friends had to come over to play with you. And I think that that made a special connection uh, with it. Mm -hmm. And then, so now that these people are older, They are like, they see that and they remember that time and they're like, oh, remember when you did this? So a lot of the friends like on Facebook or just post it or just send it to me. Oh, this was hilarious. She kicked (laughs) your butt. And I'm like, yeah, it was really. But, you know, in the end, like I said, we had so much fun. It wasn't really about her winning or stuff like that. It was just that interaction with her and I goofing around on the couch you know with extra kind of you know kind of egging us on and kind of doing that stuff and we just kind of again it was just so much fun it's
7: just been it's just been an absolute pleasure to be honest yeah it's been so awesome yeah
2: yeah thanks and and thanks for reliving it and, and hopefully everyone will uh enjoy the episodes and really reflect on how it was to be a child at that time or you know not a child yeah. but to be like a little bit more carefree you know you get responsibilities when you get older but truly during those times it was hanging out with those friends or, you know, you were really into the show and especially Mm -hmm. the shows that uh, made you feel like you were a big part of you because you knew, you know, you knew so much about like video games, the actual video games.
7: Absolutely, yeah. It's definitely one of the big advantages of doing this podcast has been not only have both myself and Luke kind of rediscovered things that we completely forgot, songs, TV shows, films, things that were all going on around the time of Games Master. But when we hear from our listeners, they're also coming to us and going, I'd completely forgotten this existed or going (laughs) off on a tangent and going, oh, that reminds me of the kid at school that used to say he had this or he could get blood on the Super Nintendo version of Mortal Kombat. I think particularly at this moment in time, being able to look back to a more carefree and innocent time is definitely a good thing. And thank you so much for helping contribute to that today. I mean, on that note, I was, I was going to bring this up when you mentioned it. You said about that guy
0: who was arguing with uh, John Tobias about the second secret character in Mortal Kombat. I had a tip book that said there is a second secret character in Mortal Kombat 1. Uh, on the Mega Drive, and me and my friend spending hours upon <laughs> hours trying to get this
2: kid. So, Oh, my. You got caged. <laughs> so,
0: yeah. So, I feel for that kid. I feel for that kid because I, <laughs> I was yeah. lied to as well.
2: <laughs> yeah, maybe that's where you got the idea, but in, in, mm-hmm. in, not to sound like an old uh, fogey or an old fart, but, uh, you know, you would get in the arcade, you'd play next to a guy, or, or a girl. And in the end, you'd be like, Hey, you want to go, let's go play this other game. And by the yeah. end of the, by the end of that, that day, you had a new friend you know yeah, totally. yeah. so uh, it was a it, it was a different era but really really cool
0: well danny thank you so much for taking the time out to speak to us today um we'll have all of your links down in the in the show notes that people can find you on twitter and and find you online but thank you again for for taking the time out to speak with us today
2: oh no thanks for the reliving that those moments those are awesome moments so much to appreciate about that era Welcome to my consultation zone,
5: where I offer personal tuition to those in trouble.
1: Gamesmaster, Master, can I get lots of blood on Mortal Kombat for the Mega Drive, please?
5: Well, this is a little naughty, but as you ask so nicely. On the ethical code screen, press the button sequence A, B, A, C, A, B, B, while the text is being printed. Everything will go red to indicate that the cheat has worked. Now start the game as normal. As soon as you get into battle, you'll see gallons of blood flying around.
1: Thanks.
0: Well, our first kid in the consultation zone is a fucking yeah. surprise for you. Wanted tips on Mortal
7: Kombat. This is the code that every kid that owned the Mega Drive version wanted. Because I mm-hmm. think if you bought the game and you were an adult, didn't they give you this on a piece of paper or something? Oh, did they really? Because I got this from a magazine. I see, that might have just been some retailers that did that, some independent game shops. Oh, right. But. This is the code every kid who had the Mega Drive version wanted. It was Abacab. You entered it on the Code of Conduct screen that comes up, <laughs> the letters turn red, and by Jingo, the blood
6: Get will over here. fly.
7: Oh, it was it was muscle memory for
0: me. By uh, by the time like 1994 comes to an end, this is absolutely muscle memory. I'd imagine if I booted a Mortal Kombat now and I had a Sega Mega Drive pad in my hand, my my thumb my thumbs would just do it for me. I wouldn't even have to think about it.
7: And given the love of in jokes returning as Mortal Kombat characters, I'm almost amazed we haven't had a fusion ninja or something called
5: Abacap. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Can I make Street Fighter Two Turbo Edition on the Superlist any faster, Games Master?
5: As a matter of fact, you can. Turn your console on, and when the word turbo strolls across the screen, quickly press down, R, up, L, Y, B, X and A on the controller plugged into port 2. Now, when you start the game, the maximum speed will go up to an incredible 10 stars, making the game faster than ever before.
1: Brilliant. Thanks a lot.
5: We saw it earlier in the
0: show. Our second kid wants Street Fighter 2 Turbo to be even faster. So when the word Turbo is up on screen, you press down, right up, L-Y-B-X-A on pad two. And now you can move the game up to 10 stars faster. Oh, that's more than five.
7: That is more than that's five. That's more than five. And you know what? <laughs> At 10 stars, it's virtually fucking unplayable.
1: <laughs> Gamesmaster, I've heard there's a secret level in Wing on the SNES.
5: Is there? Now, this is a bit of a goodie. Fly through the difficult asteroids level, then fly at the two large, slow moving meteorites and shoot the right hand one. An egg will emerge next explode. Fly towards this and use your retros as you hit it. You will be instantly transported to a secret fruit machine level where you can play for all sorts of purposes. And
0: holy shit, it's a different game. Our final kid wants a secret level on Star Wing. Oh, is that related to Star Fox? <laughs> <laughs>
7: Also, this is not a kid. This is an adult.
0: Yeah, I mean, all of my notes of just whenever I get to the constellations, I just write first, second, third kid.
7: Yeah, this is a kid at heart because this guy wants to know how to get to the secret level in Starwing. And you play the asteroid level, and then you're looking for the two bigger meteors, and you fly towards them. You shoot the one on the right, an egg appears. The egg explodes. There's a bird-type creature that you have to fly into. And then you go to the fruit machine level... And Mm -hmm. you can win bonuses, extra lives, extra bombs and all that sort of stuff. Yeah, you get to a pachinko machine level. No, it's not a Konami game. (laughs) (laughs) But you know what? It is actually a really great hint. I mean, Mortal Kombat, that's the code you need to make the Mega Drive version worth owning. Street Fighter 2 Turbo, okay, cool, whatever. No one's really playing it long term at 10 stars. This Starwing one, though, that's a mint little tip. That's a good one. It is indeed. And it's time for our final challenge.
0: So what are we playing, Games Master? Oh,
5: Station. I'm sure you know the score by now.
0: Get on with it. Oh, well, we probably should have seen that coming, really, shouldn't we? <laughs> probably should have. Although,
7: <laughs> this is the first time we get... Oi, <laughs> Games Master! <laughs> Oi, Games Master! <laughs> but also the first time that the Games Master addresses the host... By name. Yeah, you pointed this out to me before we started recording,
0: but I hadn't put that together.
7: It's the first time when, other than flirting with Auntie Marisha, that Gamesmaster to me, has ever felt truly connected with the actual challenges. Because mm. it doesn't feel like a pre-tape as much, because he's addressing the person addressing him. Yeah. I really like that <laughs> also the fact that he kind of played into the schoolmaster role he didn't call him dexter he said oh fletcher <laughs> he had been watching porridge that's what it was because that was fletcher as well
1: <laughs> yep he's a good player but i'm just gonna have to beat him are you gonna beat him yep good stuff and what about you chris you're feeling confident all the special moves and i'm just gonna cane him you see yeah. 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 <laughs> you ain't scared of him then Nah, he's got not. a big mouth
0: no. All oh, right. Okay. Chris and Akbar returned from the first rounds, and our
7: boy Akbar—he's a—he's a confident lad. I'll—I'll uh, I'll give him that. I mean, by that you mean we kind of wish you'd shut up. Sorry. Not point punching down, not he's not punching down. He's so he is annoying, boisterous though. He's so annoying. <laughs> he is annoying. boisterous. Even in nineteen
0: ninety-three I'd have found him annoying as piss. Chris reckons he knows all the moves and he's gonna cane him. But
7: uh Dex Dex pretty much says what we've just said. This like Akbar lad's got a big mouth on him. But we do in this fight have the classic matchup that I said we should have had at the end of series two. It's sub zero mm-hmm. versus scorpion.
1: I've got Tim Boone in the commentary box with me. Alright, right, these guys are gonna be playing on the Mega Drive version bloody version altogether, really. Very definitely. Yeah. So. Do you want to tell us a bit about the special moves of their characters? Yeah, for sure. Well, in fact, the Mega Drive version's got the death moves left in, right. which means that Scorpion's, which is being played by Chris, his death move yeah. is actually to run up his opponent, literally blowtorch the guy on the spot, leave him smouldering on the floor. The stuff. If you think that's bad, Sub Zero's is worse. He grabs sort of his opponent's face and literally rips his spine out. Can you believe this? Yeah. Can we get away with that on television? Oh, we don't care, do we? Let's get on. No, that's it. true. Okay. Uh,
0: this is and this final is actually a really, really tight final. I, I, I really got into to the drama of this it was almost perfect that it was chris and akbar that got through there because you've got chris who's really really good at the game and akbar's also you know credit to him he's also really good but he's also a bit of a character so when he is winning you can hear the crowd boo when he wins that second fight the crowd legit boo him because they don't want him to win
1: good start excellent right. that's one of
7: Scorpion and Sub-Zero... I'm actually glad that the crowd are on our side on this one. <laughs> <laughs> it would be awkward if not, because clearly people in 93 couldn't stand this kid either. But Tim does yeah. explain the fatalities, and he says that Scorpion has his toasty flame, which... Toasty! That's the one. Remove the mask, flame, frump. Whereas Sub-Zero will grab the person's face and rip their spine out. Can you believe it? Hearing those words, even <laughs> though I know this fatality has existed, I've done it so many times, and I'm always disappointed when a variant on that fatality isn't in a Mortal Kombat game, it still felt kind of shocking. Mm -hmm. Because also, particularly when watching this for the first time, my brain went, is there a chance they're actually going to show this? So Yeah, the first round that they have is like, it's Akbar Sub-Zero constantly
0: freezing, Chris. Just keeps on freezing him. It gets really, really close. But oh man, Scorpion makes an amazing comeback to get that win. It's a really, really sweet victory for him. He's in
7: the danger zone. He is absolutely in the danger zone and it's one flying kick and it just... Just catches, just catches sub zero. Oh. It tasted like honey, Luke. It was so sweet. <laughs> However, Akbar is all over that second round,
0: all over it and gets the win. And that's when he gets booed by the crowd for winning.
7: It is actually some really good gameplay from him in the second round. Mm-hmm. Um, he doesn't let up. He keeps the pressure on. If not for one kick, he would have got that flawless. It would have been a yeah. flawless victory, which I tell you what, I'd have liked to have seen, regardless of who got it, because oh, that would have been something to see at that early point, because also you get a little bit of extra speech. Because, of course, the narrator goes,
0: flawless, victory. I think Akbar's big mistake in playing this is that when he freezes, he doesn't uppercut. That's the combo that you want to do. It's the most powerful
7: variation of it. But he almost does every move other than the uppercut. He does a standing kick or a knee, and it just feels feels underwhelming. That's the thing where... Jazz Rignall saying it doesn't really feel like it connects. It doesn't. It's kind of... Mm. Eh.
0: But going into that third bite, we never should have doubted him. Chris playing a scorpion gets the win. And as they did in the celebrity challenge as well, cut in on that fatality for a nice little pre-tape to show what the fatality is supposed to look like while you've got Dexter Fletcher and Tim Boone pretending that they did the big death move.
7: There is also a chance that Chris did pull this off because he did go for it in the first fight he was in so he clearly knew how to do it and maybe it was just a case of they actually zoomed in on this one because they wanted to make a big deal of it Mm -hmm. it filled the screen whereas on the home console versions their fatality takes up a fairly small chunk because of sprite shrinkage on the 16-bit consoles Mm -hmm. so I'm going to give him the benefit of the doubt because based on the first fight he clearly knows how to do it if we'd gone the other way and we'd had the spine rip that one's a bit of a dick so I reckon that would had definitely been replaced in post.
1: I well, thought doing extremely well at one point, don't you think? He's doing well. Yeah. What went wrong, man? What went wrong? I don't know, man. I just gave him a chance. I felt like I gave him a chance and I gave him a chance. Yeah? I gave him a chance. Well, you gave him too much of a chance, I think. No, no he's a loser. You've got to right with a loser. Now, Chris, was it a tough fight? A little bit. All I have to say is he made a mistake giving me a chance. And he, oh, at me. he He just made a mistake. Where is man. All right, well, it's looks like going to be a bit of trouble outside afterwards, but don't worry about that.
0: Makaki Akbar in the post match, he gave him a chance
7: gave him a chance, and gets booed for that comment. One, he just keeps repeating that he gave him a chance. And two, Dex actually says, hang on, he's the loser. You've got to commiserate with him. At which point, the audience go like the old woman out of The Princess Bride. Boo! Boo! <laughs> I just boo him even more. Chris says, it was a
0: good fight, but he made a mistake in giving me a chance. And that just fires Akbar up to say, see, he admitted it. He admitted that I gave him a chance. I'm the real winner. Please pay attention to me. He's screaming as Chris gets handed the golden joystick.
7: Yeah, he also says, I think, like, oh, the mistake he made was beating me. And it's like, could someone take this kid's smarty supply away? This kid needs to ease off the E numbers.
1: We've come to the end of the first show with a flying kick. And so I will leave you with the words of the big boss himself, Bruce Lee. If you're going to enter the dragon, be safe.
0: There we are. That's our first golden joystick to a competitor on the new version of Games Master. Chris is our winner.
7: And also our second appearance of our new golden joystick bequeather. Mm. That's a good word that I didn't think I was going to use tonight. He's listed as the caretaker. He's built like a brick shit house and is wearing a leather apron and a welding mask. Honestly, could be cousins of Pyramid Head yeah. from Silent Hill. That's the vibe I'm getting off of him. But... Dexter says goodbye to the camera and leaves us with the words of the big boss, Bruce Lee. If you're going to
0: enter the dragon, be safe. Which is obviously going to be, the, the, that's this series gimmick. We had tea in the first series. We had Auntie Mauritius cooking in the second.
7: It's going to be Dexter leaving us with famous quotes. Or fictional quotes, because I don't think... Or fictional quotes. Because I don't think <laughs> Bruce Lee actually said this at all. No. But Luke, that was the first episode of a new era of Games Master level three, new venue, new host, new format, new cat. Mm, yes, indeed. What did you make of it? I see. I was actually gonna ask you that for a change. I was gonna start, <laughs> I was gonna start with you giving a yeah. thought. I saw. That's why I stuck in there. Oh. So Luke, <laughs> what did you think of it?
0: <laughs> I loved it. I really, really did. And as I said at the top of this, like I was trying to put myself into, you know, I've got two minds on this. I've got the 2020 Luke, who is 35. You know, and he's he's watching this uh, to record a podcast with his friend and sort of enjoying the nostalgia of it. And, you know, watching this, am I enjoying watching the same game over and over and over again, particularly because it's always in the same location, always in that bloody courtyard. But I kind of like I took myself back to September 1993 and seeing this for the first time and just like being wowed by Mortal Kombat and just being like I I can't tell you how many conversations were had in the schoolyard about this game and particularly because I was a Street Fighter 2 household with the release of the championship edition and my buddy Adam was a Mortal Kombat household we did have those sort of like budding head arguments of what is the better game and you would like dive into like you know what is what makes the game better and I always remember one of the arguments he gave me is that Mortal Kombat is the better game because the shadows are more realistic. Cuz in Mortal Kombat, they have actual shadows whereas in Street Fighter, they've just got little circles. And that's the sort of the, the shadow that's underneath them. That's what made Mortal Kombat a better
7: game cuz it looked more real. I mean, firstly, I'm with you. Street Fighter 2 is the better game. <laughs> yeah. You know, we we are on the same page on this one, but also shadows now, now don't get me wrong when I'm playing a game today and I'm fully immersed in an open world, if the shadows look good, it will help like if you stand in Red Dead Redemption 2 with the sun behind you and your shadow is stretching out in front of you it makes the game feel immersive but when it's one on one and I'm beating the living snot out of my opponent, I never stop and go ooh shadows yeah.
0: <laughs> but as like an episode I kind of I like the new tournament format of it I like having people win at the start and then having people go on to play into the final and win there with the celebrity challenge breaking it up. It certainly helped that it was very Mortal Kombat heavy and I do love that game and I kind of you know love the history of it. I had a really good time with this episode and I really hope that this wave and this momentum can carry on into more episodes of Series 3. I watched the first 3 or
7: 4 episodes back to back of this season. And I kind of did it going into it, almost thinking, well, rip the Band-Aid off quickly. Let's see how this is mm-hmm. going to be. And by halfway through episode one, I was thinking, this is different. It's fun. I'm liking it. Mm-hmm. Then we got to episode two. And episode two is a much more varied episode, but it sticks with the same structure. And by the end of that, I find myself feeling, this is actually really good. This is polished. It's much more accessible light entertainment to a degree. By that, I mean the host is the host. He's not being snarky or sardonic, which don't get me wrong, I love Dominic for. It was what Mm -hmm. made season one and made season two. And the influence of Games World looms large over season three of Games Master, especially right from this first episode. However, one immediate difference, I would say, is while neither Bob Mills or Dexter Fletcher may have been gamers, Dexter sells it better. Oh, absolutely, yeah. Bob Mills is a comedian and host. Dexter Fletcher is an actor. And therefore, if he needs to act enthusiastic about something, he can act enthusiastic about something. I like the new format controversially i like that the opening and ending credits were also shorter because i immediately (laughs) noticed that most episodes actually ran about a minute and a half longer Mm -hmm. but it doesn't feel like it because this this show's got an energy to it it feels much more fast-paced and i think part of that is dexter's energy part of that is a smaller set it takes the kids a lot less time to get down to the area everything's more confined in some ways it ends up feeling cheaper than series two Mm, yeah because it's smaller but it also feels a Bit more focused based purely on this episode and the couple that follow it. And I'm on board. I'm enjoying it. I'm looking forward to this. I'm looking forward to Dominic coming back. Mm -hmm. But I'm also looking forward to watching this season with fresh adult eyes and taking it on its own merits, not taking it on what came before and what comes afterwards. With that being said, and to immediately go back on my own word and compare it to previous seasons. Not on host, but just on episodes. I think this is the strongest opening to Games Master yet. Yeah. This felt like an event mm-hmm. because they had that Mortal Kombat Maccas money. That was the thing. Yeah. No, no, I completely agree with you. I, I really,
0: really, really enjoyed this. I'm I'm going, I'm sort of mid-90s on this. I'm thinking 94% was for me. I was 94% as well. That was my hey! note down here.
7: And there are some people right now that are probably going, fuck this, we're cancelling our Patreon (laughs) subscription. But no, this is a really well-paced and put-together episode. It's quality, entertaining television. And while some viewers at home may not have been big on Dexter Fletcher, the crowd there were either okay with it or they were being threatened. Because they were cheering, they were being loud, they were playing into the ooze. And to be honest, kids, when they don't want to do something, will not do it. We've seen it on Games Master before, where they don't play up into stuff necessarily. Yeah. And everyone just feels on board. Biggest gripe? The pot shot at Dominic Diamond. Didn't need to happen, was completely unnecessary and was mean-spirited. And I'll be honest, if I was him, I'd have either told him to F off for Series 4, which means our podcast would have probably been a lot shorter, or... I'd have held out for the mad money because you know what? They've got some groveling to do. (laughs) Yeah, they certainly have. But that, woof, is undoubtedly going to be our
0: longest episode. We are two and a half hours of recording time uh currently so i don't know what that's going to cut down to and go into with the interview as
7: well i reckon we're gonna to need to put a loo break in at the hour mark <laughs> i reckon
0: i reckon we're two hours tops here luke absolutely yeah i think this might end up yeah 100 percent will be our longest episode today so thank you very very much for joining us as we reviewed season three episode one If you want to get in touch with the podcast, we are on social media. We are at underconsolepod on Twitter, at under.console on Instagram. You can email us
7: feedback at underconsultation.com. Or if you want to give us a bit of that old real-time feedback, maybe chat with us about stuff on this episode, stuff on other episodes, or just games or life in general, you can find us on Discord. We've got our own server. We're a season into having the Discord. We almost know what we're doing. And there's a nice little community of people there. It's a really lovely place to hang out. Please come on down and join the collective. Details of that are in our show notes or on our social media. Indeed it is. And if you want to back us monetarily,
0: you can do so over at patreon.com forward slash pod, where you can get next week's episode one week early and ad free. You can listen to it right now, unless you're a patron and you're listening to this episode. But if you're not a patron, you can listen to next week's episode right now at the five pound level. Ash, what can they get? At the £10 level.
7: At the £10 level, they get a merch pack. You get a mug, you get stickers, you get badges, you get sweets, you get pogs. I've still got some left. You also get a discount voucher, which gives you £5 off of our first t-shirt, the Under Console Pod handheld, which is available to purchase on our store along with other mugs, stickers and badges at underconsultation.com. And a shout out to those £10
0: backers. We've got loads of them. Robert, Jamie, Matt, Kyric Phil, Simon, Nick, Sean, Adam, Cliff, Adam, Rich, Gordon, William and Misha. We love each and every single one of you. You all rule just as everyone who listens to this podcast does. We will be back in seven days time as we continue the Fletcher train for another episode of Games Master. Take care, everyone. Good night.